Welcome to the Talk and Chatter Experience presented by Gasoline Alley Harley-Davidson. Today's podcast, we sit down with former pro motocross racer, custom bike builder, basically just journeyman. Um, yeah, mate, Billy McKenzie. Yeah. No, thanks for the intro, Welcome. man. I wasn't, uh, wasn't quite sure what we were going to be chatting about today, but yeah, thanks for... Um, and it reminded me that I was, you know, once pro motocross over here. Uh, yeah, I went and started building bikes because I was, you know, just felt like I had had to do something else other than right. I, I felt like I had to learn something new is uh, is why I started building bikes. And I thought there's no better way to learn than to just throw myself in the deep end a little bit and just redesign and rebuild a bike from start. I'll learn so much. So, yeah, like I kind of went off on a little journey with that just because I, you know, I was just tired, tired from racing pro motocross. It was, it was just a hard, yeah, hard job, you know, like um, a lot of traveling, you know, I think a lot of riders, they just kind of get burnt out a little bit towards the end. So uh, I just took the opportunity to, to go and be creative. It was the only other thing I was good at at school other than like running, you know, PE, physical exercise. So I was always a good uh, craft and design student. So yeah, built a few bikes, but that's, you know, that's been like a few years now. And um I just, uh, I don't think any of us pro racers really get the buzz that we get from racing any other way. So we always just come, come crawling back to it. But, um, you know, the, the story of how I guess we're, we got here was, um, a little kid reached out to me on, uh, on Instagram, uh, Kobe Rink. And, uh, th- this kid like bothered me for like three years. He was like messaging me, asking me to come and race mountain man to Wumba. And I'm like, listen, mate, kind of in the middle of things right now not not really not really got time in my schedule or you know i don't even have a bike so i said if i'm ever if i'm ever in uh in australia then yeah we, we could probably make it happen so this year when i came back just for my usual summer holiday uh kobe reached out again and he was like hey mate you know we'll get you a 450 he was trying anything bless him you know he really was like passionate about me coming to race mountain man echo valley I was like, listen, mate, the only way you're going to get me to that race is if you find me a 500. And I really thought, like, like he's not going to find me one, so it's a safe bet. I can just carry on <laughs> living down the beach, eating well, staying healthy. Uh, but a couple of weeks later, he'd, um, he'd contacted uh, Warren, Warren Platts at Toowoomba Independent Motorcycles and um, found a 500. There's a, an old sort of, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a barn bike or farm bike, but... Uh, there was a CR500 there and it, uh, the owner's uh, Trabs and he's just a big burly uh, excavator driver you know he's just uh, got a solid job works hard big uh, burly Toowoomba boy you know the type of guy that yep. would have a 500 and um, and that's when it all started mate like like because I'd because I'd told Kobe if you find me a 500 I'll do it and I wasn't actually really serious but because he found me one yeah. and then like you know I had to start like I had to start finding out more about it. So I couldn't let the kid down. You know what I mean? I, I gave him my word. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's where I think me and Warren sort of like really gelled as well is like the fact that I was there and I drove and I'm like, you know, here for a meet and greet and like checking out the bike and sort of just making sure this was all actually happening. Cause it's so easy just to talk shit on, oh, on yeah. social media and like make grand plans and take over the world. But like here I was, you know, I'm in Australia and I mean, fuck, I'd had my accident last year. You know what I mean? I've, I've not long, long been back on the bike or I hadn't been on it at all. That's the, that's the absolute truth. Like from the moment I had my accident in the UK, uh, well, I guess we'll talk about it later, to the moment that I like rocked up at Toowoomba, I didn't have one lap or one bit of bike time. 
not one. And then all of a sudden I'm like at Toowoomba, which is like a really, you know, pro track. Yeah. And I haven't raced for eight months. The last time I even rode a bike was when I crashed the thing. So it was all a bit like surreal for me. I, but I just kind of like that feeling of like not knowing or like, like what's what's this all you know just finding yeah. something new and honestly it's one of the best things i've ever made mate i can't believe that you you weren't like we spent the day on friday filming the 500 i can't believe you weren't mates with kobe forever i thought you guys must have had built this thing up over top like when i first met him like oh he's obviously built this relationship up built bikes but he reached out to you from instagram yeah mate and i don't know like when the date was but like it's yeah. been almost three years you'd have, you'd have to ask him he's uh, so passionate eh? You know what? Like when you see a kid with that much enthusiasm, and the fact that he pulled the rabbit out the bag, yeah. like with this five hundred, it's just like it makes you just take notice. Okay, like there's plenty of pretenders out there. Yeah, there's plenty of people that are just like fans, which I maybe you know he was in the beginning. Now he, now he's like I call him my team manager. You know, <laughs> just because I'm just like I don't want to deal with the paperwork or anything that I need to about racing. I just want to get on the bike and let it rip. So Kobe's like really. Um, I don't know he's got stars in his eyes about like running teams being a manager like and he's so young and like the fact that he just did make all this happen with Warren like we have to give Warren like full credit for doing like an immaculate restoration rebuild on a CR500 like I had plenty practice back in the UK with Eastwood Mark Eastwood and I'd been tinkering around and like I said in some of my Instagram posts the 500 just has its own language like everyone wants to see it out there no one's thinking about how they're going to gain from it after whatever they just they just want to hear it fired up and rode fast and luckily i'm like one of the one of the guys who i guess is um like the flavor of the 500 and really like got my teeth into it rather than being scared of not being competitive mm. on a 500 like i'm past i'm 36 now you know what i mean i've had my pro career done the best i can i still I, ever, I think every racer still feels like they could have gave more had you know like could still give more but the way I see it is um, 36 now I'm a qualified vets racer so I've got a whole n another 10 years of vets mm. vets racing that I can do and especially if these 500s keep finding me and I get to keep meeting all these great people that are involved and like are in love with CR500s because for me it's just well it's one of the most perfect bikes it just fits so, so nicely I really like the seat the seat, <laughs> I swear to God, man, like getting a bit old. And uh, I mean, I'm, I've had a stand-up sort of style my whole career, but it's nice to just sit down <laughs> on the 500. It's nice to just sink it into these those deep sand berms and not worry you know, about you know, just having to hustle it through. It just, it's like it, it's like it bends with me. It's, it's beautiful, honestly, it really is. And the um the guys that do the 500 stuff, uh, it just. I don't know. Once you get out of the normal race in 450 or 250, there's so much more passion. It's not. That's what I found. Yeah. It's real passion. Like you see, um, Platzi and and Kobe out there Friday, and we've uh, we're uh, running around the bush. Like. Yeah, mate, like, and that's what I mean. Like, how how else would you have like the way we made that happen that day? Which you know, I'm really excited for everyone to see this uh, this video that we put together. It was cool that I reached out to you, and and that's that's what I'm trying to say. Like everyone's passion around the 500 and like i guess our project is what makes us just go that extra that extra yard and there's no pressure behind it you know what i mean it's not like we're having to clean the awning and like get the the, the bike mats washed and prepped and, and all the the bullshit that goes around with it. it's just like the 500 is that fast that comfortable and 
like I said, there's just a magic thing happening around this. Having Platzi involved has just been like, I didn't understand how good Platzi actually was. I mean, who would have thought? Yeah. Coming from like the wreckers and rocking up, like, and even being slightly competitive. And it was my first race back in eight months, and I was only five seconds a lap off of Todd in like qualifying in the race. That's a lot. I know it sounds like a lot, but mate, I'm riding a fucking dinosaur. Yeah. Uh, I've not had any bike time. Mm. And the speed at which me and Platzi got that bike to a point where I was like super comfortable on it. Like I've never had that with any factory team ever. The last time I had that feeling was when me and my dad were racing mini bikes, doing like two strokes, you know, one, two, five, 100 cc's. And to have someone like Platzi, who's just got so much knowledge and I didn't know Platzi. I've mm. never like never met any of these people. Kobe, you know, like the magic was just there. And when I went to the, the Toowoomba Records and had the meet and greet and I was like sort of showing around the the, the records, yeah. everything was so organized, mate. It was like Aladdin's cave. And because I'd went and sort of done my, I guess, apprenticeship in mechanics when I was building cafe races and designing bikes, I just appreciated everything that like he had done. And even when we had the, the barrel off and the only sort of... Um, the only experience I've got with two stroke five hundreds is from being at home with like Eastwood, mm. being around the the Eastwood Racing Workshop down in uh, Swanley. So I'd seen full rebuilds happening under my nose, and I got to check out like, you know, little tricks here and there. But when Platzi pulled it off, you know, there was things within the barrel that at first I was like, oh mate, why why are we porting five hundreds? Fuck off, you know what I mean? They're fast enough. I don't need a tune 500. The, the things are fast enough. Like, just leave them alone. And so I was a little bit like, uh, when I saw the barrel work, I was like, oh man, no. Nah, like, I'm used to just riding a standard 500 because the power's all there. And me and Platzi kind of looked in the barrel and I was just like, oh, I don't like that. And, you know, this and that. But he explained it to me and I got my head around it. And then, you know, I sort of started to look deeper at all the porting he'd done. And it was, and actually, like, full pro job like all like it was so symmetrical and like whatever they were using to like bore it out and stuff and i'm like actually then i spoke to my dad i was like mate because i was nervous about riding this 500 i'm like just come back yeah. from injury eight months jumping on a fucking tuned 500 from the records like there's alarm bells everywhere mate. You're yeah. like, i'm like oh bill you know what i mean like take it easy you're 36 what are you doing this for uh but when i met platzi and like you know i was there to see the whole rebuild and he really did it that way as well like to show me and i don't know we were just we were like magnets a little bit because i'm like yeah okay i like it and then we, we were really starting to trust each other so quickly yep. and then um we had a really uh a magic touch like i started asking around for suspension settings because i'm going to toowoomba riding 500 like i said all the alarm bells and i, I just i needed suspension but it's so hard to get suspension set up like i've tested and threw myself down the tracks and really just overcomplicated everything about f testing during my career uh so i called gary ben he put me on to moose moose is like the old technical touch guy from uh, the gps and uh, we'd worked together before but we never quite nailed it and so we were a little bit hesitant but i just knew that he's done so many like people's suspension all around the grand prix and he must have all the settings so i just trusted him i was like mate just get that suspension i think kobe uh ran the suspension from the records up to the sunshine coast moose done it like in two days and it was just lucky that he was in the country before he went back to Europe. Wow. It all just happened in like, there was no planning. It was just, everyone was, like I said, passionate about it. Kobe was there to do the work. Warren was taking a real interest in actually restoring a 500 because he loves it. And then I was just pulling together everyone I could to get the bike built together. 
you know, John Tittman gave us some wheels, uh, DEP pipes, which I mentioned in the car park. He's the exhaust manufacturer who's pretty much looked after me my whole life. So I was calling in favors, getting stickers sent from the UK because I already had all my graphics designed for my UK bike. Because, mm. you know, the plan is to go home and race uh, the Vets Motocross, Des- the, yeah, the Vets Motocross Des- Nations at Farley Castle again for Britain. And so there's no real schedule. You know what I mean? Yep. It's just like I'm going with the wind a little bit. Uh, like we said, like times are relevant. It's just like when it happens, it happens. If it happens, let's not like put any pressure on it. Let's just like make it happen. The same way that photo shoot came together. It came mm. together in what twenty four hours? Yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. But everyone jumped at the chance to go do it because there's a passion behind it. So I don't know where it's gonna go. This is what we're here chatting about. But yeah. the fact is, like when I get on that bike, I feel so comfortable. Whether it be the seat, the suspension, the way Platzi's tuned the bike it's just growing on me so much and um yeah every time i look at you like starting up like our video eh? i really can't wait for everyone to see this video it's going to be pretty epic it was a beautiful day in the deep deep sand uh out in the border ranges and we just nailed it you know i mean that 500 that's the best he had that working as well really had the jet and tuned in that day the thing just would not stop giving power well how many times do you get a 500, a really tidy 500, private sand track, just com- and and probably in its te- best condition it's been in. This is what to yourself. I mean. It was this perfect. A I perfect mean. day, cloudy day. It was great. And you know, it's not like we looked at the weather. It's yeah. not like we tried to plan it around this or that. It was just like it's on, boys. Let's go. Yep. And everyone just fucking jumped in. I left at three, half three that morning, and I only went to bed late because uh, me and Platts were up in in the the wreckers. And it is, it's a, it's a motorcycle wreckers, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like it's the factory, like, team in, like, Yamaha or whatever. It's a legitimate wrecker. It's a legitimate yeah. bike wrecker, man. So um, we were there tinkering around, just doing, like, all the last bits, uh, uh, just tightening everything up, making sure the old girl was, you know, not going to shake, rattle, and roll. Uh, so I was there till, like, half ten. And me and Platzi had already done a night before. And I just love going up there, mate. Like, when I first came here and I had to live in Toowoomba with Troy Carroll, I didn't like it, mate. I was like, I didn't come to Australia to live in Toowoomba. I oh, so your first coast. base when you came here was yeah. Toowoomba. Yeah. That's funny, isn't it? But I'd never met any of these guys. I only yeah. knew Troy and because I was, you know, just kind of new here. I, I didn't really venture far. It's not like I came to make friends or anything. I just like was at the racing yep. or down by the beach. And it's, it's a real shame that I missed out on meeting these guys because uh, they all know each other, obviously. Toowoomba crew, they're all solid people. Yeah. But yeah, man, they're a real good bunch of blokes up there. And everyone who works for Platzi too is... Um, get on real well he's got like a right sort of a skeleton crew he does he is such a good skeleton crew you know and everyone does a job and like he's got customers coming in and everyone's super friendly and it's like it's a nice vibe mm. you know what i mean i really just i can just tinker away clean shit just fix shit tighten shit yeah and it's just uh you're not looking over your shoulder like you know it's trying to hide so what i'm nice, doing now i've had a really good experience from it so i guess that's why like yeah there is chat, like there is chat that I might line this thing up at Connordale. Is it strong chat? I, yeah, it kind of <laughs> is. Like we just need people to come on board because like there's no plans yet. Like we're f- literally just freestyling, but you know, racing for free is not. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to do that forever. I'm enjoying this 500, but I don't know. I guess I'm not sure, mate. I'm not sure if I line up for the first round. I probably want to do all the rounds. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. August is it August ninth? Yeah, I think that's the new date. So we got two months. You know what I mean? And we'll wait to see this video drop. 
Yeah. But at least we're talking about it. That's 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 the main thing. You know, what is it? Uh, speak it, believe it, receive it. I think like, people say that. Yeah. Well, wine's well. Book them, they'll come. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? So, Conondale's a real possibility. I would love to I would love to line up there because um, I love the track. It's a full natural terrain, Australian motocross track. One of the best. I think Toowoomba and Conondale are both definitely, definitely leading the pack. Um and good track for 500s. Exactly. Really good track CR 500. That, I mean, yep. if I'm going to have any chance of even being like, I don't know, I don't want to speak results, but I, I've proved I can get it off the start. And all I need to do is just gain a little bit more fitness, you know, rehabilitation as well. It's not like I've been unfit. I just mm. haven't been doing a lot because I've had an excuse. You know what I mean? I've been resting my back, um, been getting a suntan, but whatever. And there's got to be other ones sitting in the, in the shed that, be good to get a few others out oh yeah, yeah i know where you're going with this like I, it's, it's only an idea that i had but um me and jay marmont talk quite a lot yeah and uh i'm trying to get motivated to get back there's a there's a there's quite a lot of old champs that are like keen to get back in the mix we saw mossy's come back out of a uh, isolation whatever you want to call it um and it'd be good to see them back because they shouldn't have been done i don't know like i don't know what the real story is but it's just talents like that shouldn't be you know shouldn't be kept down Especially Mossy, you know what I mean? Like Australia's missed out on two solid, fast blokes being at the front. You know, I, I don't know, it's political, whatever. But um, imagine us all back on the start line, including Jay. You know, and I know I've been trying to talk Jay into riding a KX500. I know Platzi's got like a real nice KX500 sitting in his sitting in the records. And uh, I mentioned it to Jay, but I don't know. I think he I think he'd want to line up on a modern bike. Mm. But mate, this is all chat. Yeah, you know I mean, like this is. It'd be like, good to see though. It wouldn't really it? Would be. Yeah. I think, like, we'd all be back, and it, it's not like the Australian motocross scenes. Uh, it needs us back almost. I feel it'd be great to see. You know. I feel we need all the names back, and it's not like it's uh, the sports busting at the seams over here right now. Mm. Like, it's not like you've got a full lineup of 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 all like fast riders. Like, it would. It would do well to see a few of the old champions back in. Like McGrath used to ride for it for ages, you know. And especially these fun events. I think if I'm not locking down to a full national championship, if I can just do these select races, then that's no pressure for me. Yeah. That's what's the fun thing about. It. That's probably when I'd get the best out of myself as well. Is not having to think about the end of the season. Mm. It always was like that, race to race. But when you are racing for a team, you do. You you feel the pressure and trying to get the results and the points towards the end of the season, you know? I was always better, I feel, when I was just, like, taking it race by race, not thinking about it at all, not going to, like, a hard-packed track during the week because I knew I had a hard-packed track yeah. race, not practicing this, just getting to the track, getting the bike out, learn the track. Yeah. It's the same for everyone. doesn't matter what I did during the week or otherwise, it wouldn't change a thing. You know what I mean? The more effort, the more I tried to, to be better and to work harder... I just burnt myself out anymore. It took the fun straight out of it. Mm. So it just became a job. But the 500 just resonates a little bit better. Yeah. Definitely. Two a lot of fun. Sick, mate. How, do, how did you actually, like, how did you get into box originally? Oh, man, yeah, that's a, that's a story we've probably been told a long time. But it, it, the, the short story is, I, I'm a first-generation racer, right? No one in my family had bikes, no right. one, nothing. So I look back on that now and, and feel quite good about it thinking you know like i did what i did being from a first generation you know like not having really the experience or 
the talent passed through the generations. It was just like, I liked riding bikes. And I got into it because a childhood friend, when we were like five and six, he told me he was going to get a PW50 for, for Christmas because his dad used to have trials bikes. And me just being like a spoiled kid, I'm like, well, I want a motorbike. You can't have a motorbike and not me not have one. So I just bugged my dad. And um, I think eventually our parents talked to each other's parents like let's just get them bikes you know we'll take them up the field and what harm can it do and i think it was my mum that really pushed it as well like because my dad in the beginning was like you're not getting a fucking motorbike you're only five like shut up you know what i mean like never even thought about it you know he was a football guy and like he had a, a he's got a business and stuff so but he was real technically minded you know i think i owe a lot to my success in the schoolboy careers just to my dad being shit hot on the bike really getting like the best tune in uh, the best parts, well maintained. You know what I mean. We just yeah. he he always took pride in building my bikes. You know, it was like a little hobby for him. Mm. And then I think when he could see that I was um, I was putting a hundred percent into it, then he like supported me a hundred percent. I think we had that conversation when I was real young. He was like, "You give me a hundred percent, I'll give you a hundred percent." It was just like a it was like a common, yeah, a common agreement we had. Like base, really. He was like, "You got you got to do well at school." You gotta behave, otherwise, you know, he kinda used it as leverage for me. But I was just, mm. I was that addicted to riding motorbikes. You just wanna ride. I, I didn't care. I'd do anything just to get on the bike. And yep. he had that control. And but he always the, made sure it was like the best bike. And did that burn like did that burn forever? Like do you, was there a time that it sort of disappeared? Uh yeah, loads of times, mate. Especially yeah. with like a grueling world championship season and picking up injuries and having to ride through injuries. Like yeah. there's so many. Uh I, I mean I could I've had a long career, mate, so yeah. You know what I mean? We could go into it forever, but I do remember when it got hard was when my last years over here in Australia, like I hadn't quite got that championship yet. I knew I should have lots of times. Uh, Yamaha took a chance on me. I, I didn't quite get it done in 13 and Dak took that pretty hard because he'd won five in a row before me. Mm. So he's a bit pissed off about that. And then 14, we had <laughs> the new bike and I struggled to get it working like until half, like halfway through. And then just as we did get it working, I had a big high side because literally we increased like 10% in power from like one race to the next. Wow. Because basically we didn't get the bike set up fast enough. It was a new, new model. And I don't know, Dak was just being lazy. Didn't get it to the dyno in time. I felt like he was just making me work harder. He was like just being a bit of a bully. Um, tried to set up an ignition. I didn't set it up very well at all. You know, we went to the first round and our bikes were shit. Me and Marmont could not get off the line. You know what I mean? So it forced Dak to get get the bike back to the dyno. Then he brings it back after spending a load of cash with like a 10% increase in power. 10% is massive on mm -hmm. a 450. And then just expect me to ride it. Like if he'd done that from the start, I could have done all the New Zealand championship on that bike. I could have had a good start to the season. I could have been riding that bike, but instead he just throws it at me. And I don't know what the reasons were. He was pissed off at me for like, we started to butt heads, but I think it was one tag. I don't know what the, the track is, but I was like literally trying my, my hardest, trying to get back in the, the title chase and uh, had this massive high side, shot me down the, the 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 track on my face. My legs came like right over my back and I cricked my back. And I wasn't sure quite what I'd done, but I knew it was like, it was just bugging me for the rest of the season. Anyway, I sucked it up and, you know what I mean? That was a tough thing. And I'm sure now that I've had a back injury um, guaranteed I must have fractured a vertebrae on that crash. But I rode out to the end of the season and I sucked it up. But I had so much baggage with me as well. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd brought my girlfriend over from the UK. We were doing the family thing, the house thing. I'd bought houses, I'd bought bikes. I had shitloads going. I was training. I was like 
I was just doing too much. Yeah. And Daka wasn't making my life easy. Me and him were really just being dickheads towards each other. Um, and so that just burnt me out. You know what I mean? I wasn't. I didn't have the support in the end. I only had like Brad and Gary mm -hmm. in the team. And uh, Dak didn't talk to me for like since Perth. We had a, we had an argument in the in the morning because I didn't make Super Bowl and those points were really important. And then he just started having a fit. Like he was just he saw the championship was like going, but I'm still trying to get the bike you know working. Anyway, we had an argument in practice and. Um, he was just throwing too many options at me. And I was just like, mate, can you just shut up? Wow. <laughs> and now, uh, mate, like, it was the worst thing I ever said. And that's all he, and that's what he did. He shut up and he's never spoke to me since. <laughs> from, from that day? <laughs> from that day, mate. So I'd done the wow. whole second half of the season and mm. me and him didn't talk to each other once. You know what I mean? He, and he was just making my life hard. So anyway, it became a challenge. It became a challenge, you know what I mean? And um, luckily I had the support from, you know, my mechanic from and thing. But then he started bringing in like... Uh, so Jacob Wright, who was a real sh young shot, hot shot at the time, because Jay wasn't doing any good. Me and like, he was having a bad year, mm. and uh, I just remember he was trying to make uh, Jacob beat me like so much. You know what I mean? He was really like he was trying to influence Jacob so much with all his DAC experience, which, mate, it pays off for some people. You know, yep. didn't really work for me because I, I've just got my own way of doing things, and he was so supportive in the first year. He really was. Yeah. Uh, but because I lost that championship, it actually changed, and he just started bullying me, and I'm just like, I'm not being bullied, mate. But um, and you like you do like to blaze your own path, don't you? It seems that way, you know yeah. what I mean. And I can't help it; it's just the way I am, you know. Like I just, I've been and done what I've done. I feel confident in my ability. Yep. I just need the bike. Give me a bike that works, and leave me do it. Yep. Don't tell me what gear to wear. Don't tell me to wear black shorts. He, he fined me five hundred dollars for not wearing black shorts at Coolum. Like, we really started being, oh, mate, so many stories <laughs> I can tell you. Wow. But anyway, you know what I mean? He does. He produces a good bike. He just didn't do it fast enough in 2014. We had a new model, whatever. But we got it going towards the end of the season, and I won that last round at Coulomb. Mm. And that's with, I'm pretty sure I had, like, an injury all the way through from, like, halfway. And it was. That's what that's what broke me. I Like, I didn't want to be involved in the industry anymore. I seen the way Dak was acting. I, like, I, it, it was just all, like, the tracks were shit. We were going miles away, and I'm just—I wasn't getting the support. I'm there by myself. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm in another country by myself with, mm. with my girlfriend, whatever. You know, I need the support from the people around me. Everyone does, and it just wasn't like that. So to hold that all on my shoulders, and you know, get get the results that I did, even with uh, trying to like test the bike mid-season, I think I did all right. And it was a bittersweet when I won that race at the last round. Because yeah. he was—he didn't want me to win that race. I could see it. <laughs> it's good for the team when I do win it. But he had, like, you know, Jacob going really fast. And I think he was just hoping that Jacob would have done me that weekend. But it was just a big mind game, mate. And I was, like, psychologically fucking over it. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's when I'm like, you know what? Money's going down. Uh, I'm not, like, I'm at the end of my career. That We're being honest. I was 30. There, there is a time a time thing. Right? But I could have easily done another five years racing pro if I was just let to do my own thing, kind of like what Ferris is doing now. You yeah. know what I mean? Just have your own reign. Just have the support. Not yeah. not have such a tyrancy over the whole thing, which, mate, it works for Dak. It like, has worked for him. Can't argue with it, but it didn't work with me. Mm -hmm. And it was a little bit of a shame. But, you know, I was happy to have the break. I went home, um, you know, cleared my plate. I had so much going on. Like, I'd been investing everything I'd earned into property my whole life. You know what I mean? All the properties I had to sort of go and, like, 
like get a, a hold on, you know, and just just get back to like a level playing field where it was almost like I was starting a new life. It, like I was free to do anything, you know. And so I did have a little ride here and there, you know. I started working with Honda back in the UK. Dave Thorpe, you know, a, a, a guy that I'd never actually got to race for, which in hindsight is a little bit of a shame because he's like he's the main man in a. Uh, in the UK, three-time World 500 champ, and now that I've like wow. getting in with Honda, like we've all had our best days on Honda. Thorpe, Eastwood, me, Jones. There's a lot of there's a lot of British riders who have a good relationship with Honda, and um, that's why when I did start just to ride, I ride for fitness. I'm bored of going to the gym. You know what I mean? I I I'm not doing any more reps. Like fuck that. Yep. Like I'd rather just go ride the bike and like be a free free spirit. You know, like get some soul. I'll do my cardio and my cycling and all that stuff, but I remember when I was a kid and I was probably my most fit. I wasn't doing any training. I was just literally an active child. I'd be playing football, I'd be out with my mates, badminton, squash. I'd just do it all. As soon as I started to get into that sort of like training thing where you know you had a schedule, you had like all like military militarized a little bit. Oh, it just kind of eats away at you a little bit. And Dak, Dak was making me ride like five times a week, mate. Mm-hmm. And I was trying because I'm trying to like keep him happy and I'm trying to get better and I'm trying to improve the bike but really I feel if he just got that engine sorted and gave it to me in, in New Zealand so I could have got used to it I would have lined up and been a lot faster and had way more chance at the the overall championship in 2014 but that's just my story that's my it's side of history, things history hey that's my side of things so how long how long did you race here how many years did you put in uh, 10, 11, 12 13, 14 uh, almost got the championship the first year few things happened, broke my wrist, uh, I think caught pneumonia as well. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like, like I had a real bad chest infection and it totally fucked me for one round and I lost a lot of points when we were we were doing pretty well. And then, I can't remember, I think I got third, third. I had an, a bad year because uh, I broke my, uh, no, yeah, it was my wrist. I broke my wrist in 2012. And that kind of ended my season. So that's when I was out of a ride with Kawasaki. And it was the same it was the same shit back in the UK. I injured my thumb when I was with Honda. Mm. And I was out of a contract. And though I had, like, other contracts, they weren't factory contracts. And I'm just like, nah. Like, I need to, you know, I'm fast enough to be on a good contract. Like, I'm, I'm a winner. I could win championships, you know. It's not like I'm just filling up the places or riding for a bit of cash. Like, if I'm going to race, I want to be out there to, to win. So... And then, there's, you know, there's a whole, there's quite a lot of politics involved over here in Australia. Quite a mm. bit of drama within the race team, especially, fucking, we've all had, like, ex-wives and ex-girlfriends and shit, you know. <laughs> like, we, we, you know, it, it wasn't the best uh, atmosphere sometimes. But, um, you know, I was thankful to Dak for picking me up after Kawasaki because that kind of felt a shit a little bit. Um, no, no, through no fault of anyone's, really, but just, you know, trying to keep everyone happy and having such a big infrastructure. And that's why, you know, the total polar opposite of what i'm doing now is so free from my soul you know what i mean like riding that 500 out the wreckers it just makes for a good story it just gets me excited yep. rather than having to wear my hat and fucking sign those autographs and do those interviews like and just be you know that professional it's like no no, no this is my own gig now yeah you know what i mean it, if we do rock up at conondale i've been um i've been chatting with troy carroll and hopefully like his new carroll group trucking business uh he might have a f- uh, spare flatback trailer so I was thinking how funny would it be to rock up to Conondale with like one of those massive like uh, road trains 
with only the 500 on the back <laughs> you know no no like advertisements no like awnings no nothing you know what i mean just the 500 like rocking in on this massive so there's things like that yeah like just get me excited about it happening and we don't even know if it's going to happen that's what's even more exciting but the fact that we're talking about it here on this podcast yep. the fact that i've talked to troy the fact that the 500 is just drawing in so much attention because there's a there's a cult following for these things mm. two strokes I think it would be a really good idea to do, but like I said, me, Kobe, and Warren, we just take it day by day. We know we've got the tool right now, that bike. Yep. We've got it dialed in so well with all of the sponsors that are involved so far. You know, everyone that's gave us a little bit of free product, Silkeline, Australasia came on board, and I reached out to them just through Instagram. I was like, hey, mate, I'm riding a two-stroke. Like, would you would you mind sending me some oils? Or, you know. Yeah. I'll put a sticker on my bike. You know what I mean? That's what we used to do when we were it's kids. Like I used to, to love putting the stickers on my bike. You're lining them up, getting them perfect, making sure like they were clean and they stayed on yeah. there. That was my thing. You remember like McGrath used to have all the stickers on his lid, all the 500 bikes. They just like, you're, they're just slapping stickers on. Yeah. Brings that soul back. You know, we need to, need to make motocross great again. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so true. And it? it's, it's the kid thing. It's like being a, being a child again. When you, when you see those bikes, even. See, I'm lucky that I'm in that position as well. You know, I've uh, not started a family. I've still kind of lone wolf. I just feel like I've got so much more to see and do before I get to that point in my life. And um, one of the main things is it keeps me fit and healthy. Like when I'm riding bikes, uh, that's my fitness. Yeah. That's my fitness because I'm bored of the gym. I'm bored of the miles. I'm bored of all of it. Like I can get out and rip that bike like we did in the sand track. And you know what was nice about when we did that is we were we were out for a photo shoot. So it wasn't mm. like I was burning my motos. I was actually like, I'd done those corners like 10 times, mm. repetition, until I got it right, until we nailed it, mm. you know? And that's what I used to do when I was a kid. I didn't go out and do motos because I felt like I had to do it. Yep. I just went out and rode my bike and just found little, little kickers and like, you know, just got tricky and learned new things rather than just burning my hearts and lungs, you know what I mean? So... Christoph Porcel used to do a lot of that. I'm sure JMB used to do it. I, I'm just, I fit into that that mold of, of characters way more than I do the the Dungies or, you know, mm. anyone else. There was a real shift from the 90s to the 2000s when, like, corporate sponsors became a real thing and it just did all change. Like, it took away the, the soul from where we used to go. Like, the 90s AMA Nationals is what I used to, that what I grew up on. McGrath, AMA, 96, 97, 95, 93, I was like watching those videos on repeat every night before I went to sleep and woke up for school the next morning. You know what I mean? It was just, that was just my life. And I liked all the colors back then. I liked the Fox designs. It was a golden era. And that's what I remember because I was like young and... Yeah, influenced day yeah, yeah, by that. Exactly, mate. So to come back full circle and do it on a 500, being a grown man, knowing everything I know... Yeah. I don't even care if I'm taking it seriously or people think I'm taking it seriously. It's like, when I ride that bike, magic happens. Like, I can ride a bike fast. We Like, I'm no doubt about it. And the more I get tuned into it, like, this is only my second ride back. Mm. It's only my second ride back after having, like, spinal surgery. Like, I should be a little bit more, like, throw caution to the wind, a little bit, a bit more cautious. But um, I just get such a buzz, and it's good for me. It's mm. good for my soul. Like, if I'm just going to, like stay at home and be scared of jumping on a bike again because oh, one time I you know, broke a bone. That's no attitude, is it? No, it's not. It's not going to work for me. Do you, um, What happened last year? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, did it. I don't know. 
It, it was a bike like 500 or? Yeah, I was, was riding this 500, but the thing about it is um, I was I was riding it just as a bit stock. You know, I was like building up to getting it like tuned in, but I was just having too much fun riding it. So I hadn't really went and got all my suspension dialed in or, you know, even like serviced the thing. You know what I mean? I was like, you know, it was just, I was running it to the bones a little bit, just cause I was being a madman. <laughs> but I wasn't being that mad, to be fair. And uh, it just caught me out. Like, my tires were all, like, cut. Like, I was just rolling around. You know, I was really enjoying, like, the feel, how loose it was getting, you know? Yeah. And I should have just been smarter. But I was actually, I was actually just doing motos in preparation to do Hawkstone British Championship, which is similar to, like, lining up at Conondale. Because I tried to do it way back in 2008 i'd won the british championship for for cass honda uh in 2008 so for the last round at hawkstone park because hawkstone park's like a nostalgic 500 grand prix motocross track i thought it would just be sick to give the fans like something to see and and ride a a, a 500 two-stroke in the last race after having wrapped up the championship so cass prepared me this bike it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a platzy bike you know but Anyway, I got off to... The, the first time I rode this bike was on the sighting lap. I had one lap to get used to this bike. I literally went from a 450 factory Honda to this old bashed up like 500. Like, we made it look nice. It had plastics <laughs> and graphics and shit, but really, it was just, you know, an old banger. So anyway, I, I got off uh, I got off a mid-pack start. I got through to fourth, and I was hauling this thing. It was like flat out... Uh, but it just started to rattle and vibrate more and more and more. And I think uh, in the end, I had, I had to pull in because I literally couldn't hold on to the bars. All the frame, uh, all the engine mounts had came loose. No, like Just because they'd powder-coated the frame and like not cracked it tightly. And I just, I rode it till its wheels fell off pretty much. What a shame. I know. So like yeah. I had unfinished business in my, in my little fantasy world. I'm like, well, if ever there's a good time to go back and race Hawkstone on a 500, it'll be now. I said, as long as I, even if I finish... If I just finish the race on a yeah. 500, then at least I've done better than the last time I rode Yeah, power. that's true. That's yeah. all I needed to do. So I set my targets real low, you know. And so anyway, I'm out practicing and I'm doing laps again. I'm not having fun. I'm doing laps. I'm doing three 20-minute motos just to try and, like, break myself in for what's going to be two half-hour rides, you know, mm. against pro competition on a 500. So I'm like, I was out on, like, the Tuesday and I had big plans to go down to Eastwoods and get everything prepped and, like, put a setting in and, like, the same... Th- same as what we did with Platzi, just like rock up and just have a blast. And we would have got it set up the exact same, like Eastwood's a five-stroke master, you know? So I was all pumped. I was just getting one last ride in, just just to like loosen myself up. Uh, and all that happened, I was coming down, and I was, I was just on autopilot a little bit. I was I was just in the flow, so nice. And I just started getting over the front a little bit more, and we, it still had standard springs in. Mm. So I think they're like 4.0 is a standard spring on a 500. Yeah. yeah. So... I'm just, I didn't, I'm just forgetting about all these like things. I'm just yeah. riding, and I landed, and I'm already looking ahead. It was like a sort of, it's quite a fast uh, downhill, like off of a step down into a left hander, and then there was like a small, kicky jump into the corner. Well, I'm already, I'm already like, looking ahead of me as I've landed. It's like that's kind of how I do it. But as I landed, the front end just like bottomed out, tucked on me, and then just jackknifed me. And before I had no warning. I kind of just like high sided over the bars, and I think I landed on the next takeoff with my shoulders. Like I kind of went head first over my head. I landed sort of like on my shoulders, and just the speed and the force that I was going, it just folded me in half. So it wasn't like an impact, 
like stones or anything. It was like I literally almost snapped myself in half, and that's what broke ribs and the the vertebrae. So I think it was like C8 or something. But anyway, I was I was on the on the ground and you know, had a big one. We've all had it before, winded. Um, and there I was just I was just trying to get my breath back. But when I started to like stand up, I just noticed I couldn't really move how I wanted to. Like I had all feeling everywhere, but I just couldn't like really straighten my back. And I, I knew definitely that I'd done something and I wasn't quite sure what, I just felt unstable. Like I was, my, my upper body was, it was just unstable. You know, the weight from my upper body uh, was kind of like pushing down on, on obviously the brake. So when I, like I got up off the track and someone helped me to my feet and I managed to like walk to my van. I had to take a knee halfway because I'm just like getting my breath. I'm like, oh shit, we need to go to the hospital. So luckily my little cousin was there, Dino. Uh, he was at the track because he's a mechanic in, in the UK. And we got to the hospital and I was like kind of, I was like sitting in my van and I was having to push myself up, you know, like with my hands, you know, yeah. because like I could just feel it was unstable. So I'm literally holding myself up, got to the hospital, got seen to first x-ray it looked they told came back and told me i'd had five five breaks all five five vertebrae broken and that's when i'm like that's when it twigged me i was like mate i've done this before mm. this is a feeling before not not an unstable feeling like this one but i've definitely cracked a few vertebrae like who hasn't in motocross like i'd be silly not to think that and that's that's what got me uh remembered me about um crashing dax bike like i definitely did i, I held that injury for like four or five months so anyway after I knew what I'd done, came back, turns out I'd only done one, two ribs, two ribs on the left, one on the right, and the fractured, I think, I don't know what the CZLs are, but it was number eight in the middle. So yeah, after we knew uh, what I'd done, that was it, I just had to get, I had to make the decision to get surgery or not, and mate, I was feeling fine, I walked into the hospital, not walked in, but like, I got myself there, you know, and then... Um, it was just a waiting game after that, you know what I mean? I just had, like, I had all feeling. I had no worries. I was feeling that good from riding the bike that I was healing, like, double time. And because I was just carrying that positive wave through everything, like, it's such a scary thing when you break your back. It's more people's attitude towards it. Like, I knew within me that nothing was wrong because I had all the feeling it wasn't panicking. I just had to trust a good doctor to go in and, like, make the surgery. And luckily, in Scotland, at the hospital I went to, this little kid came in because uh, I demanded to speak to the surgeon. I've been in there five days, and they were filling me full of morphine. And I hate fucking painkillers, you know? I just didn't want to be in there. And I said to him, I was like, listen, it was the weekend, and everyone's off on the weekend, so I'm just lying on my back. It's been five days. I'm, I have to lay flat. The nurses were going mental at me every time I tried to move and do this. And I got to day five, and I was just like, right, nah, fuck this. I, I need to know what's happening. So I was like, said to the nurse, I was like, if you don't have a fucking doctor in here right now, I'm going to get up and leave. She said, oh, no, 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 you can't move. Like, they were really like, panicking about me being too overactive. I was like, get him in here right now. Just, like, l let me speak to him. I want to know. And uh, I think that something did happen, and I got to I got to chat face-to-face -face with him, and I just got a good energy from him. Same as Platzi, same as Kobe, you know what I mean? I was just like, yes, you're the guy. Because I've had plenty of other surgeons, uh, I had my foot operated on. I had to. I had to go through five surgeons before I even like found someone who would try operate on, on a foot injury I had back in like 2003. So I was like walking around with a broken foot for like two months. Found a doctor, and it was just his attitude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, that's that's what happened last year. Crashed that 500. Not being stupid, not being heroic, just trying to do laps yep. in prep. And after I got the surgery, 
literally an hour after the doctor came in, he was like, yep, surgery went well, you, you stand up any time. And I'm like, you know, this is the first time I've sat upright. And even then I'm like sitting with the bed. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, let's see. Let's see how good his work is. Because uh, you can imagine inside like what he's done. Yeah. I still haven't seen the x-ray, but I'm just like, he's he's good at what he does. Fuck, if he's yeah. saying I can stand up, I'm going to bloody stand up. You know, I walked, walked <laughs> in here, I'm walking out. Hour after surgery, I did. I got off off my bed and I sort of like got to the window and I was like sort of leaning on the window. I was like, yes, it's that you know it's fixed now. Now I just I don't need an excuse to be lazy either. Yep. You know what I mean? I went home and I sat and I like laid down. I had uh, my flatmate living with me at the time. He's a fucking brilliant chef. You know, <laughs> we just just stayed inside the flat. I call it the cube. You know, and I was just on YouTube, just going into like black holes and like I just autoplay. You know, just watching the biggest amount of crap. But, mate, I enjoyed for two months, three months, however long it took, just doing nothing. You know yep. what I mean? I wasted away a little bit because, obviously, I couldn't do anything. So that's why I, I had to come back to Oz and just... It's my little... Um, it's my rehab, you know what I mean? Mm. Come to Ocean, l- run the lighthouse, the hinterland, all the food. It's just the easiest place for me to get fit and well. And that's why I came here in, in the first place. I was pretty burnt out from the whole like world championship. Because I'd visited Byron, I just knew how beautiful that area was, and the fact I could eat what I wanted, um, it just always brings me back to that place. So originally, is that is that what happened? Like for you to come to Australia, you'd been on, you'd done a GP or something? What? How? How did yeah, you get in um, originally? Oh man, like yeah, because you're you, pretty settled now here, aren't you? Well, I'm a citizen here now, yeah. so I've done the hard yards, done the paperwork, and you know, and it is hard yards. It is hard yards, it man. Is. It's expensive. Mm. But, you know, Kawasaki looked after me. Uh, everyone gave me good references. I managed to get through the visa thing, like, quite quite quickly, quite easily. Yep. And it's basically just proven who you are. So because I had my world championship sort of background and, you know, magazine articles or whatever, so it's like, I'm here and I'm doing this. It's not like I'm, you know, yep. here on a w- wing and a prayer. I'm like, yeah, I'm here to race and like this, blah, blah, blah. So, um, no, nah, look, I'd, uh, I'd had factory contracts in the UK. I rode for Factory Kawasaki in 2007. Uh had a great year in MX1. I won my first uh, MX1 Grand Prix, which I think I'm, I think I'm the only UK, I think I'm the only UK rider to win MX2 and MX1 Grand Prix overall victories. I mean, there's obviously a lot of good riders that have won multiple more, mm. but like both. To do both. Yeah. I think Anstey's been the closest. He won. He won MX2, but then he had a Nations win at Matterley, which is way more special than my <laughs> Japan win. But um, I don't think he ever got it across the line for an MX1 win. So that's a little flag I like to put. You know what I mean? Like as a as a first generation rider, or whatever. You know what I mean? To do that yeah. uh, is pretty cool, especially because I was a big guy on an MX2 bike. We I raced for Steve Dixon, Dixon Yamaha, same guy uh, Ferris rode for, mm. and he was on Yamaha and got his Grand Prix win. Steve. He's a bit of a lunatic, but man, he builds a good bike when it when he when he puts his mind to it, and uh, that's what you need. You know what I mean? As a pro rider, you need to get out that fucking start when you've got little Caroli and like Chiodi and all these kids who are like half half your weight beating you to the first corner. It's an uphill battle, mate. So I was lu- I was lucky to win any MX2 bike uh, Grand Prix. I used to I used to wear like over baggy shirts and shit. Like I wasn't like being slipstream <laughs> at all. I was like a little ghetto kid. You know what I mean? I was, so I managed to get across the line for some MX2 wins, and then that set me up for a factory ride. Uh, Kawasaki, Yandy Groot, same guy uh, Chad rode for when he was on two-stroke Kawasaki. Oh, well, 2001, I think. And that's a solid team. Like the bike was unbelievable, the suspension, all of it. You know, it's 
that's all I ever need. I just need a good bike, yep. you know, and I, I seem to, if I gel with a the bike, then I get used to it and I work around any issues it has. I just need, need to be fast. And, and then after that, um, what happened? Uh, Honda started uh, showing interest because I'd won the British Championship on the Kawasaki and I was I was coming into like I was I was growing up, you know. I'd sort of left MX2 behind and MX1 is all really anyone really cares about the factory team. So I signed a 2-year contract with Honda, which, you know, every, every that's every kid's dream, yeah. be factory Honda, especially with a UK-based team, which uh, Coppins had been racing for like years previous. I'd set the bike up perfect. You know what I mean? Like Josh knows what he's doing. He like he's old, wise, gnarly. Jumping on that bike was just a dream. I didn't have to do anything because I didn't know what I was doing anyway. Like I was like I I lucked out with a factory bike and you know we we had a turbulent sort of like bike thing with with Dixon. So just to jump on back to back good bikes, like I really started to get my shit going. You know, mm. um, I was training hard. I was more focused. I was at that age where everything was just you know pumping, and so I won the British Championship quite easily that year. Like dominated it. Uh, on the factory Honda, I used to have this black 450 carb bike. The 2008 model was like easily the best thing, best bike. I'd like, I'd like to still maybe jump on one of those bikes again. Um, but yeah, I just, I just ripped it up. Uh, didn't quite make it over the line for an MX1 overall win that year though. So I'd went, I'd won on the Kawasaki in Japan, mm. and I was the first guy to win on the the 450 bike. Because that was the first year of KX450. Yeah, it was. Yeah, oh, so I was, yeah. I was the first guy to win on that. So. Um, I used to all, I used to do all my winning in Japan for some reason. People ask me about it, but I was pretty lucky to do it in front of the manufacturers. Yeah, you know? good place to do it. And I, you know what I think about Japan is it put everyone on a level playing field. You know, everyone, all the riders that were there that day were all just in onins under mm. like pop up tents. No one's got the big rigs, the fancy chefs, the girlfriends, the you know the left boot cleaner, the right boot cleaner. Yeah. We were just all there to have a race. Mm. You know, and I just I, I feed off that shit. You know what I mean? That's like everything else just confuses me and weighs me down. I just want to just get it. As soon as the gate drops, it doesn't matter what's you know going on. It's it's always going to be something different, you know. Yep. You can do as much prep as you want, but when the gate drops, as long as you set up, you just fucking go. So I don't know. I'm getting off. Uh, so yeah, I had two factory Honda. Con- I had a factory Honda contract, but in 2009 they brought out the new model, and I wasn't even aware that the, the bike was changing. But mate, it was a tank. Like yeah. the 09 model, every single rider that tried to get that work, and we all crashed. Mark DeRuver, the American boys. Honda had a really bad year when they brought that model. It was so slow. Uh, luckily, we opened it up, but it just took me a while. Like, I had all the options for factory suspension, you know. So I had those like white magnesium shows on my bike that I see every, like all the Americans running that. But it was just too chunky, too rigid, too hard. Like I just wasn't gelling with it. Like. We wasted a bit of time, you know, because the same thing as Dak. We were trying to get this new bike like yep. working, um, but we were using like too many of the factory parts. And in the end, I just had to like go back to what I what I knew, which was like an A kit Kayaba suspension, not like magnesium factory shows. And I had uh, Cedric Malot was my teammate at the time, so we were working together, and he was saying like everyone had the same problems with this bike. It was just it was heavy, it was slow, and I ended up hurting myself. I I snapped a ligament in my thumb just after I started getting the thing going, uh, and that was the end of my season. Really, I rode five Grand Prix after that because I had a factory contract. I couldn't really afford to 
to miss any Grand Prix because of injury. Mm. Uh, and I was having to take injections into my thumb for like five Grand Prix. And in the end, I just got to that point where I, was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like I was probably taking too many painkillers. I was just riding with injuries, you know, I needed surgery mm. and then that was it. Like I had to miss, I had to miss half the season. I got the surgery. I came back just in time to get picked for the, the Des Nations team again. And that was my lo one last hooray. I'd already done the Aussie deal by then because it was the, the global financial crisis at the time in a way. Yeah, true. So I'd went from a factory contract, like fucking Euro strong. Yeah. To go into like, what was it? 30% of it or 40%. That was the only offer I had to stay with the team I had. And I'm like, nah. Was, was it that much of a hit? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And that's, yeah. but that's, that's what it's like at the top. It was across the board for everyone, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mate, everyone, like if you're the team's, like like Dak runs his team, you yep. know, like factory teams, that's what they do. The, the riders come in. If you don't win, they have to find someone else. Yep. Especially, you know, on a more personal note, I think, you know, if I'd had stuck in with the teams that I know and like sort of just built again, but then I do see all the old Grand Prix riders and they're just a bit like battle-worn. Mm. You know, that like it's a grueling, grueling championship, man. 17 rounds, I can't even remember, plus a British championship coming to Australia and doing eight rounds <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what four supercrosses sometimes getting almost the same cash and winning more bonus and living like the life over here in Australia, like the sun and the sea. Like it was a no brainer for Just me. Just made sense, didn't it really? And that's where uh, Craig from DEP pipes, who is the distributor uh, with John Tipman, those guys really sort of, I came over on a business trip with Craig and I got to, I went to one of the tracks and I, I popped into Dax on and I popped into Troy's on and I was just like, Hey, I want to come to Australia, like, just letting you know, like, I'm here. And Dak was, like, really just not, not interested. He was like, nah, nah, we're going stick, to stick with our own riders, thanks. I was like, all right, yes, like, sweet, fair, fair play. Um, and then Troy took the gamble with me, and we did. We almost put it to him, you know, that first year. It was a good year with me and Troy, you know what I mean? He, he sort of took me under his wing. Uh, he was as passionate about it as me because he was starting a race team, and, like, he'd just finished riding. So, you know what I mean? It was just, it was good to have a, a good time with Troy. And, uh, yeah, like just, I think it was just through injury we lost that that year. You know what I mean? I, I, the second round, I broke my wrist. Um, I missed three races because it was the back-to-back -back races. So I missed yeah. like three points, scoring like 65 points or something. And I clawed it all the way back to like 13 by the end. And we went into Coulomb and I was 13 down. Or no, I was tw I was way more than that. I was like 60 down. I, I can't remember the numbers, but by the end, I was only 13 off the championship. And it was a good, it was a good claw back, but I couldn't really make up that. Who won that year? Jay. Jay was. Yep. Yeah, Jay's been there every year. Yeah. Like, like nemesis a little bit. Because he knows, <laughs> he knows I was faster than him, but he just had, you know, he's solid work, hard ethic, and, yep. you know, I mean, he's obviously talented, but uh, I made a good friendship with, with Jay. We had our struggles a little bit, like, I felt like he kept following me around, like when Kawasaki, because yeah. we were having such a good time with Kawasaki, and I think you could just see that we were starting to enjoy being at the races more than... He was with Dak, even though they had a solid structure. Yep. So I don't know, mate. You know, like he came over to Kawasaki and the bike wasn't as good as he'd hoped. And I was already, I don't know, I kind of felt like he came in and took a few things from me. You know, it was like, it was like it was, I was Kawasaki, you're Yamaha, mate. Like stick to your own. Yeah. Right. But then that's what happened. We swapped and it caused a little bit of drama. But then Dak was all excited because like he'd lost Jay. Mm. So he like snapped me. And that's what I mean. It, it just kind of created a bit of drama like within the teams. But me and Jay have always been sound. Yep. You know what I mean? We were like, we just like each other. We had a good party together. Like we're just boys. We're lads. And um, the racing kind of got in the middle of that, you know. And but we always like respect each other. And you know, 
I always had a good laugh with Jay, so I'm hoping to go and see him in the next couple of weeks, actually. He's got a bike down there for me to ride, a 450 Honda. Not that I want to ride these 450s, but just for a bit of bike time, for a bit of fitness, yeah. I don't want to I don't want to keep scratching up the, the get wrecked racing. The 500. Uh, 500, no. That's only going to get brought out special occasions, pretty much. Unless, look, unless people, anyone listening to this podcast, go fund Kobe, you know, Kobe Rink, find him on Instagram, FTI Racing. If you want to see me race this 500 at Conondale, we need to just create some race budget. We need tires, sprockets, chains, all that kind of crap. You know what I mean? Enough to get a barbecue and pay for some fuel money and an entry. We've all, I've already got a guy um, from Byron. You know him, don't you? Um, Ferg mm. from Highside. Yep. I met him just as I was cruising around Byron, told him about the Conondale thing. And that's just what happens through chat. He was like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a bit of cash to go there. I was like, sweet. That's it. You're, wow. the, you're the first sponsor. Yeah. So I like that thing how it's just starting small and whoever's going to get involved is going to get involved. Do you know what I mean? It's, I, I don't want to go begging anyone or, or trying to like put my hat on and be like, oh, I'm going to be like a... If we go to Conondale on a 500, that's enough just to have a good time. Yeah. Especially Conondale. It's such a beautiful place. And hopefully Troy comes up with his big road train. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And then I think Platzi's even got like an old Ford, Ford Cortina like shell at the record so i was thinking about maybe putting that on the back as well mate i'm just a dreamer you know, you know i visualize this shit i mean it's, it's a bit stupid it would be a bit stupid rocking up with all that but we'd ha- we'd have such a laugh yeah and everyone who supported me like or become friends more friends than um than bosses they're all still frothing to see me like go up and rip this 500 because they see i still ride it fast and from toowoomba it can get off the start so who knows, mate? It's good that we're chatting about it. That's that's the main thing. Yeah, it's good to see. The um, so your plan down the track would be to race bets. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Just yeah, just to stay fit and healthy, and just enjoy riding and just just for fun. It's just yeah, just to keep just uh, just to have that buzz. You know, it's good for it's good for the soul. Like I know how to ride. I've mastered it. You know, not many yep. people like get to my level of motocross so it'd be a shame to just not race just because like the industry like does my head and whatever yeah keep it all so keep it all passion and the right people will come and that's that's why even if we do just have to rock up to conondale in the combi and uh and platzi's work you we'll do that as well yeah. you know what i mean it's like whoever wants to come in come and have a good time i like i'll put on a little show we'll put on a barbecue like we'll have proper australia australia <laughs> feel to it you know not yep. like an american feel where everyone's rocking up in big rigs and that it's fine it's cool like i'm glad it's happened it's professional for the sport but still if we're going to conondale that's like yep. glamping i'm thinking about taking a load of hay bales on the back of this big flatbed yep. and just having them like scattered around so everyone can just chill you know i don't know mate i'm thinking about it i'm dreaming it up yeah kobe's up for it platzi's up for it like i said even if we do have to just go there with a combi and a ute yep might still be there eh? and that's and that's the other part like hanging out with you guys it's going to be a good time because like just the other day, everyone's so, so chilled. There's Amp- no, no egos, no nothing. Amped up a little bit as well. Like what about little Kobe running around with his GoPro? Was he annoying you? Nah, no, he's fine. <laughs> I was thinking. He's, he's only in about 50% of the shots. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, he was good. He was good. So and I just, well, it's, you know, same deal. You're passionate about it. I'm passionate about the other side of the racing video side. It's just good to see someone getting into the, like, cause he's pretty fresh to the sport. With passion, like Absolutely. real passion, and he's he's trying hard. Exactly, and like I said, for him to just like throw this together, yeah, on a women of prayer, pretty much, just yeah. finding the right people, knowing who to ask, 
Yeah, I mean, fair play to him. Fair play to him. 2008 450. Was that your best bike? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. The factory Kawasaki was pretty close. Yeah. To the 2007 factory Kawasaki. Like we went to Japan, everything tested that. Did you? Tested frames and shit. Yeah, yeah, like went like real deep. Me and Christoph Purcell were not teammates. He was MX2 at the time, but we were yeah. both factory Kawasaki, so we were in Japan together uh doing some tests and that was quite that was quite a cool experience just watching the bike get stripped and rebuilt in a matter of like well under an hour oh really frame change you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. just seeing everyone go so they went to the kawasaki factory and stuff it was really cool but the honda yeah the honda was like a beast yeah carby 450 2008 honda you ask any pro rider if they rode that bike they'll still say it's the best mark deruver loved it as well that me, was the me and mark mark was factory honda for the italian martin racing team that year and i was uh factory honda for the cast uh, racing team and we both had good years i think he won a grand prix that year i was really close to it but i kept i kept making stupid mistakes like two laps to go i was known for it i just lose concentration like lap to go crash or stall it or just do yeah. something stupid i think the nations that year we'd secured a podium spot wow and I'd had the, the the race of my life on the 450. I would, I'd come from 13th up to third, past everyone like around Donington Park, and I, that was it. I had the podium. I, I didn't I didn't know. I just saw Nagel in front of me, Max Nagel, and I was just still had I was still going. Yeah. So I was just pushing myself, pushing myself. I wasn't thinking about the result, and I ended up stalling it with like two laps to go and couldn't fucking start it, and brought it home. And wow. Team GB lost the uh, lost the overall podium that day. But that bike was special. It was, uh, you know, it still had a comfortable seat, you yep. know? <laughs> it's like the last of the models where the seat was like semi-tall and comfortable. And uh, the carburetor, 450 carburetors, those things are snarly, you know? The fuel injection, they're a little bit zippy. Because 2009 was the first of the injected CRF, wasn't it? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's just and clumpy. Yep. It was just a weird power. Yep. You know what I mean? I ride... I ride I ride with a lot of momentum everywhere. I've sort of been studying Everts a lot. And there was just a moment when I, I, I learned how to ride a bike better. And it, after that, it was just like 1%. It's like keeping my toes on the pegs and just using my legs and standing up more. And um, yeah, the 450 Honda really allowed me to ride in that power. Like James Stewart had the same problem, man. I, like you see a lot of the riders when they switch to those fuel injection thing the, the riding style changed it wasn't so much like rock and roll momentum 500 stuff it was more like brake power brake power like yeah. it was it was so it just closed it right up yeah nose it in out. dude watching james stewart ride that 07 uh factory kawasaki oh my god him and carmichael like those things were just off tap and um that's what i mean when you're when you're riding those big long corners and you're able to just pull that higher gear rather than have to change down. So you can catch the power in the mid stroke of the engine. Like that's, I was always riding mid, to, you know, that mid range meat power. And the 450 Honda just had the broadest spread of that power. And especially because the thing was tuned to the death, you know, like we had the best pipes and the best port in, like it was factory. Yeah. And it was like modified by the British team as well. So it was like my own. And that's what happened. Like we literally, in 09, we just kind of trusted. That the factory was going to send us all the all the the bells and whistles and it it just wasn't set up and i kind of just trusted that i was going to be like on a factory honda i thought well that's it i mean i'll fucking jump on a factory honda it's going to be 
it's gonna be easy yeah but no it wasn't i had to i had to re retest everything and make it my own and uh is there a point where there's too much development uh yeah like fuck we used to test tires like down in the south of france for dunlop and i like, like back then when i was so young i didn't i didn't know what was going on different in a tire yeah you know like the sidewall and this and that everyone's trying their hardest at grand prix level it's world yeah. championships so right? there's a lot of money being pumped in and the, the technology is mad like i've been at you know michael rinaldi's workshop and you know they've got separate um was it rd departments like they put yandy group was a, a, a magician like everyone's got their own touch same same as i'm feeling like with platzi yep everyone's got their own touch so the development you know you know what was another thing that ruined the sport for me is when they came out with air forks mm. man i could not ride with those things and no one could mm. i watched Villapoto have bad season i watched trey canard fucking kill himself i watched reed go through the mill dungy it put everyone back a year so so bad and watching stuart trying to uh, get that new backward yamaha engine thing working the first year mate he almost killed himself so many times like that's why you have to develop like you know like if they're bringing out these new modern bikes mm. we're just test pilot we're just guinea pigs mate we're just trying to get that thing better and everyone's working together like japan's working with rinaldi like they all work together but when we're just when we've got such a nice package and then have to do that like i guess that's what we're paid to do but it takes mm. the eye off the prize a little bit and it does become a job yeah you have to get to the track and test the parts and do this and everyone's and it's like oh man when when's it going to be better mm. or when when's it going to work this and that and so that's when it takes someone with experience like i feel like i've got now now that i've got like all that experience i feel like i'm knowing a little bit more what i'm doing like me and platzi set that thing up so sharply but that's because i went to the uk and i had a lot all that all those hours in the eastwood racing workshop i, I kind of knew mm. what i was talking about but the 450 has got a lot more going on fucking ignition curves and all this and all that the, the the 500 two strokes just like spark bang yeah you know what i mean four strokes oh they're just trying everything yeah. trying bloody everything to get them to go faster work better less engine brake and different clutches this and that it's like the 500 is just pure roll they yeah. did not change that bike from 1990 to 2001 because they couldn't make it any better mm. and for me like steel frame everything they just it's just it moves with me and because it's just got that power anywhere, because I can ride it well, that's just what's keeping me, keeping my interest perked up right now. Okay. Nations. You'd have to be proud. What was it? Five, four times? Five times? Six, I think. Six total? Yeah. First one was uh, 2004. So I was like four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Four, five, six. Yeah. Four. Four was layer up. 2005 was Ernie. I was on a 450. Yeah. I went from MX2. I was jumping around. Uh, 2006 was Martley Basin. When Everts had his last race, beat wow. Stewart, that one. I was on a 450 there as well. Uh, and then 07 was Bud's Creek on the factory Kawasaki. 2008, Donington. Mm -hmm. The one at the race I just told you about where yeah. I fucking lost us the podium. In Donington. I know. In whole places. Yeah. I know. The, the, the guy that was most pissed off about that was Mark Eastwood. He was our team manager. The guy that I've done all the 500 tests yeah. with at that time, he was our team manager. And he loves it a lot. You know, he's yeah. real passionate about the sport. And then 
just because I'm known for making these stupid mistakes. He held it <laughs> against me for so long, mate. When I was started like down there working with him, he remembers it better than me. Like I just, I, I do forget about it quite quickly. I'm just, yep. oh well, fuck it, you know what I mean? Like the race is the race. I wasn't thinking about the overall. I was just having my best race, and I was having my best race. The crowd were, I was just getting in it, into it. You know what I mean? The crowd were so behind me because obviously on the microphone they're telling me like we've got third place and Mackenzie's coming through and the, yeah. the commentators are brilliant back home you know what I mean they're, they've been at it for a long time and um, so I was just in the zone in the high BPM zone and I just I couldn't come down I just wanted to keep going I saw third place second place ahead of me or third I'd already passed Coppins and passing Josh is you feel good because yeah. he's a he's a legend you know what I mean I was I was I was in uh, racing that season with him in I think it was 07 when he got so close to winning that championship and he broke himself and he was dominant man he was dominating grand prix you know what i mean we're all in there i managed to get one where i dominated in japan but he was right there he was like second place pushing me yep so uh when i passed josh in, in 08 i'm like hell yeah i'm going fast yep i'm gonna fight like nagel's right there i've got all the momentum with me i'm riding my honda riding number 13 on black you know what i mean feeling good because i've got all my kit match i got yep. Nations colors i got you know what i mean I, like i said it was just in the zone and uh i think i, I think i remember i just looked back because i think the Dica was behind me and i over jumped and then just like i was in too high a gear because i was riding those big tall gears on the 450 you know mm. I just went Poo! I was just kicking it, mate. I'm trying to kick it in gear because I'm, I'm fucked because there's only two laps to go or something. And I'd yep. made a run through everyone. I'd passed them all. I was having a really awesome race. I'll need to rewatch that race somewhere, actually, now that you've reminded me. But then nations are a buzz. Yeah. And you know what? One of the best nations I've had was the Vets Des Nations. Like when I got called up, because I was, I, was I was on the couch, you know what I mean? I'm doing nothing. I, I was over everything. I had way more shit going on than motorbikes. And uh, someone reached out to me, Sean Doherty, Scottish rider, uh, paralyzed himself, was running us the the Scotland ne uh, Nations team, and he reached out. He's like, "Bill, you want to fight?" And I'm I'm almost being quite rude. Thinking back now, I'm just like, "Mate, I don't want anything to do with it." Like, no, nah, fuck off, can't be bothered. And he's like, "Oh, come on, listen that." And anyway, found me a 500, same way Kobe did, and he's like, "Just put it under my nose a little bit." I'm like, "All right, and fuck, all right, I'll ride it." Yeah. And then as soon as I got on it, I'm just like, oh, no, it's pretty fun. And so I got to meet the owner of the bike. And same thing that happened here, you know. Like, the 500 is not even mine. Mm. It's not even mine over here. It's uh, it's Travis. Travis owns the 500, and he's just a friend of Platzi's, you know. Oh, is that that who's it is? Yeah, Travis. It's just a, he's just a farm boy. Yep. He's a farm boy. No, he's a... He's a, he's a Excavators and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he's just a hardworking bloke. Um, had a 500 in uh, milk crates around at Platzi's. Yep. To one day get restored and it just so happened kobe just was like hey i've got pro racer wants to ride a 500 have you got <laughs> wow. that's how it works so so i've had to meet travs yeah and platzi was uh platzi was um winding travis up saying mate you know you know as soon as like the gate drops billy's just gonna ride this bike straight out the gates and fuck off on it like you, yeah he's gonna steal your bike <laughs> to so this guy was like looking at me strange like because you know who does this like who just rocks up like no one could really believe that it was happening. Me, myself included, Kobe, Warren, we're all like meeting and greeting and we're like, uh, and all this stuff's arriving and it's last minute, like the pipes come in, we finally get spokes, rims and wheels, like it all just took too long and it was like fucking last minute. And Travis is there and like, he just can't believe that this is happening to his bike, you know, he's just like, but of course you're going to let it happen, aren't you? You get your bike fully restored, at like no cost. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? As long as we just, you know, 
get to ride it once. That was it. But luckily, he's a good guy. Mm. And luckily, he could see that I was a good guy. And everyone's like spirits are pure. And that's why he let us just fucking razz it down at the sand track the other day, you know? As long as it comes back. It's, it's getting brought back in better condition every time. So. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, like I said, I got I got 500 put under my nose, started riding it in the UK, uh, went and raced for Team Scotland at the Vets Motocross Des Nations because Team GP was already full. Like, everyone has their own teams. It's not serious. Everyone just goes there, has the best time ever. It's Farley Castle. So it's a good vibe. Yeah, the yeah. best, the best motocross race I've, like ever experienced wow. because there was no honors there was no nothing it was like everyone was just there because they wanted to be there not because they had to be there because they're trying to make a bit of cash or because it's like their job yep. everyone's there because they want to be there uh and you know doc wobbs gotta give him a shout out he's a he's a he um makes and copies all the factory honda parts for the 500 like just because he like passion as well but uh he sells like the ignition covers and the flywheel covers, uh, everything. All the factory extras that were on Thorpe's bike and Gabor's bike and stuff, he just replicates. So he's got like a whole store, factory um, number plates, all the all the, the, the keen little things. So I pitted with them uh, that day, but I was also like racing for Eastwood. So I was kind of like my own little like team. Mm. You know, I was like, I was pitted at Doc Wobb's place because that was like the front line. He was actually putting on a bit of a show. But then I was camping with Eastwood so we can like have our burgers and play badminton and like jump in the river and stuff. Yeah. You know? And when we got to the race and I'm lined up against all the good guys, Mike Brown's there, Dowd, everyone, all the ex-champions. And same thing, I only rode this bike for like a couple of weeks. But I went to Eastie's, we got it set up and all of a sudden I'm lining up and the thing's getting me hole shots and I'm out front. And uh, the last race of the two-day meeting, I got the hole shot and I actually like I got the bike set up by then. I just I just went off at the front. Brownie was trying to stay with me, but I was like, man, he is a brave man if he can deal with this roost because I had that thing wide open. I was riding that thing like like I stole it, but so well. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I had the track dialed in. I'd had two days on the track, and the last race, I just knew all my lines. I got a clear clear road ahead of me, and I just fucked off. I had like a 13-second lead because Brownie stalled it because mm-hmm. we were like... Me and Brownie were teammates back in 08 uh, on the factory Honda at Cass. Yeah, so I got to know Mike Brown, and he's a really good guy. And I remember he was actually uh, he was actually the guy that put a good word in for me. Like um, when Honda approached me, they asked Brownie, "Like, what do you reckon of Billy?" He's like, "Nah, yeah, he's he's going to be good." Because me and Brownie raced real close in 2007 when I was on the factory Kawasaki. And there was a couple of races where we like we really like manned up. You know, we like pushed. We were, it was Faenza, Italy, is the race I'm thinking about the most. But he passed me. And it was a hot, stinking hot day in Italy, hard pack, like super demanding track. And Brownie's getting all excited because like I'm I'm trying to keep pace because the Italians and the French boys are really fast on that shit, you know what I mean? And Brownie came past me and I'm like, fuck, Brownie, hold your horses. So I passed him straight back and I set the pace again. And we kind of worked our way through like a Peloton type thing. It was the first time I'd actually like raced with someone for like the end of the race, you know, to try and get like a better position rather than just trying to get in front and do this. So I think that kind of impressed him, that race. And it was shortly after Honda were like talking to me. And then I, you know, I started, I started doing well. I won Japan. I went pole at Namur. Namur is like a really cool track. I went pole by like two seconds there wow. in 07. So I was really starting to like feel my groove on this Kawasaki and everyone was taking notice. And yeah, that's when I signed, signed the, the, the Honda contract. But Brownie, uh, 
I beat Brownie that day at the Vets Des Nations, and that was a win. That was an overall win to me because I'd literally got off the couch. That guy had been racing everywhere, albeit he's a lot older than me, and like everyone's a lot older. Like I'm, you're just in the Vets. Class, I'm just yeah. in the Vets yeah. class. You know what I mean? But you know, to beat Brownie around that track, especially because he is such a legend, and the way I did it as well, like I just had one of those magic races. Yep. It was like Japan. Like sometimes when that gate drops, it just happens for me, and. There's like I'm I'm so intense at the start of the race. Not many people can stick with my speed, and Brownie tried his bloody hardest, but we pulled like 15 seconds on everyone. Wow, on everyone. I mean, I know they're all all like you know, with Kurt Nickel in there and all the old boys, but I mean, I didn't have any special parts on my bike. It had standard suspension, although revalved. It wasn't it wasn't like I'm putting factory forks or different triple clamps. Like my bike was a legit legal 500 bike for that race. Everyone breaks the rules a little bit, and it it doesn't matter but people rock up there with their old factory suspension this and that or, or new new suspension i like that was a, an original honda 500 and i just jumped on it i got all my special parts on my pipe my seat cover my grips my levers as long as i've got that comfortable feeling and my suspension i'm good to go and i did that day that was the most fun race uh just because of my attitude towards it you know yeah. there were only 15 minute races as well let's remember that you know what i mean yeah. i'm not fit enough to do 40 minute 30 minute races at the moment and i definitely wasn't then <laughs> they'd grabbed me off the couch and put a 500 on my nose and i was just like you know i took the bait so vets is where it's at it's gonna have to be me i don't want to be one of these idiots that rocks up at these races thinking i can still win them yep. or or bust my ass and 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 try and fight against the young kids you know what i mean i've had my day i'm happy with my results like I said, first generation rider, everything that I've learned, yep. everyone that I've met, all all the things that I've done, I'm I'm happy with it. I've ticked all my boxes. I've won my Grand Prix. I've won my British Championships. I would have loved to have won an Australian Championship. Probably should have. You know, I think in Dak's eyes, Troy's eyes, maybe even Jay, a lot of people over here probably thought I should have won some championships, but you know, didn't really work. I, I'd, I'd almost I'd almost gave up when I left the UK. You know, like. That was that was my retirement. I knew it would be easier over here, just travel-wise. You know, nicer environment, nice, better weather, yep. no traffic. There was all so many more positive things about moving to Australia that let me enjoy another five years of my career. But really, I was over it, like after my season with my thumb. But the same way I was over it at the end of fourteen. I think everyone has these moments where, if you're pushing your body too much and you're just you're doing too much. It just gets, it takes its toll. You just mm. need a break. But I feel refreshed, you know? I feel healthier than I've ever been. My back's stronger than it was before because, man, I'd cricked it so many times. It just finally broke, you know? Yep. So it's taught me that, you know, I need to do more core. I've got really big legs because I've done a lot of cycling and squats, just my stand-up style. I'm a bit unbalanced. I need to just do a lot of core, some kind of yoga, Pilates, whatever. And as long as I'm doing a little bit of cycling and shit... I feel like everything I've learned up to this point and now that I'm on like the perfect bike that just fits me. It's a good time. I don't know. Like if we do go to Conondale, if if that happens, I guess we'll know no more there. Yep. Might and might stay for the season. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Um CBX seven fifty, that's the build, wasn't it? Was that your first build? Because you're a real you're a creative dude, hey. Yeah. Um how how did you get into building custom bikes? Well, it was it was when I was over here. I was I was just looking for a bit of an out. Um, 
racing that 14 season and i'd saw stuff on instagram i was like, I like look at that mm. and I, then i then i saw stuff deas was doing or you know yep whatever they call them douches x machina and i saw one up, up for sale in their shop in byron and it was like thirteen thousand dollars or something i'm like what i could build better than that so i did i went and found myself like an old bike cx 500 that was my first one cbx was oh really a bit of my my my, my show bike but yeah, the first one I ever built was over here. It was like a black one, C CX500. And I built that with my old little practice mechanic, Sean Smith. And I used to pay him to come out with me during the week when I was riding for Dakar and that, when I was living down in Byron, because uh, he was over only over the hill. So yeah, we just like, I just cut one up, chopped one up, got the powder coating out, you know, put some tires on it and just started like, you know, getting away from the racing side. I was, you know, I was over it. I needed, I needed something else take my mind off a race because if I fo- like i said if i focus too much on something it just i push it further away type thing it's like it's when i don't think about it yeah and i just rock up like japan or like you know whenever things just seem to happen so i started doing that and people seem to like it in byron and uh, it just it turned everyone's head because i've done a nice job so i was like oh mate why not i'll just do another one and then that's how it just sort of started then i like because i like the whole presentation production photography mm. so you and me are getting on mm. Like x-axis is just my sort of my creative side you know i can be as creative on the track as i like but when people are telling me what helmet to wear what color gear to wear and this and that i'm just like fucking pisses me off a little bit so to get to design my own bike that doesn't have to have any logos on it you know i can pick the color all of that shit it, it was just my project so i sold that one made money sold another one made money and then i was just like you know what i was getting my teeth into it like i liked learning i, I had to learn the design was my thing. I could make the bike look sweet, but like I still hadn't cracked an engine open yet, so I still had a lot to learn. And with these old bikes, like you do, you have to um, you have to get in amongst them. You have to change the pistons and like you know go go full tilt. So spent spent a few years doing that. Also, like I was working with my dad, or you know doing the same thing as my dad, building some property in Scotland. Like I'd bought a couple of old frat flats that I just started renovating. It was just another thing. It was just a way for me to learn new skills. Like, what does yeah. a motocross racer do when he finishes? They all yeah. go coaching or they all go something. Like, luckily, I'd, like, been smart with, you know, what I'd earned. And I'd put it into bricks and mortar. That I didn't have to panic and, like, put my, my, my coaching cap on and say, right, kids, I'm going to be, like, you know, Billy yeah. McKenzie MX coach. Because I don't have the patience for it, really. <laughs> I don't think I do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm happy to help anyone who wants to come over and ask questions and that, but like, I, I even feel bad like going out for a day with someone and charging them X amount. I wouldn't even know what to charge someone for me to just tell you what to do during the day because you're going to forget it as soon as you go, or at least I would. <laughs> I never had any coaching, no training, no nothing. I was like monkey see, monkey do. Mm. If I saw something on TV like McGrath, Emig, all those boys, then I'm just a repetition guy. I'd go down the track and I'd just bust a corner, bust a corner until we got the shot. As you as you experienced, as we did, yeah. That's what I used to do every time. I used to go back, watch the footage, and feel good about myself. And that was my little buzz, you know. As long as I was, like I said, being active, staying fit, that's all I needed, really. Just go out and have fun on my bike, not punish myself, mm. not do a million laps doing lap times and with the, the the pit board and having to test ignition settings. Like it was like a Rubik's cube that Vortex ignition Dak sent me. It had like ten di- It had four four dials three dials had 10 options so think about that combination i went out every like i went out every day and tested every combination against the clock just trying to get it to work when really all i had to do was go and put on the fucking dyno and pay the man mm. so i'm i'm pissed with dak about that he still hasn't spoken to me 
uh, yet to speak to him. Conan Dow. <laughs> yeah, I'll pull him. I'll pull him aside. Have a little chat. So what? Um, what other bikes are you going to build? Oh well, have uh, you got other plans? Yes, yeah, you've got I'm, the new one. I'm flat out back home. Yeah, uh, I'm actually getting shit from Craig, uh, DP. You know the pipe yep. guy, because uh, I've got two bikes around his house. Oh, really? Yeah, because I'm like I. Every time I'm da- back home, I go down to London and use his, uh, his factory. You know, he's got all the lace and welding, TIGs, whatever. It's, he's making exhaust pipes, so it's easy for me. So he makes them all by hand? Yeah, he's so got, like, team team of boys, got the factory going. And, mate, the D- DP's so underrated in the two-stroke world, man. Like, everyone knows Pro Circuit and stuff, obviously, because yeah. Mitch does such a good job. But Craig's got the contacts and the dynos, and especially our factory Honda, like, uk factory honda days with the 500 mm. he's got a copy of that hrc pipe and that's what's on my bike you know what i mean and that's fuck, the way it fits the power it delivers you heard it mate it oh, yeah. just goes on and on and on combined with platzi's porting i'll tell you what mate i didn't i never knew if 502 stroke could be that crisp and just accessible it just it's so easy jumping on a 500 you can just tweak it in like it's I, the feel i just have such a feel for it I can just get it set in so quickly. Like the four strokes, sometimes I got lost, you know what I mean? And trying to put maps down and like start devices and like, you know, like start ignition maps. Like it's too complicated. Yep. 500 is the most uncomplicated like racing experience I've ever had, especially with my attitude towards it as well. Yep. Because I've got like, we've got such freedom around what we're doing. Like it just, it, everyone's after that same goal. We just want to go and have a rad day. Mm. And the buzz from that, like, as we're experiencing now, you know, I mean, that's why I had to have, I had to have a couple of days before I came and done this podcast, mate, because I know we planned to get it all set up after we, uh, after we done that video, but. Because it was a journey to get to here. Yeah, absolutely. Torn tires, opening the cars, we've, yeah. Dude, even driving, like, oh, mate, I've got so many stories. Like, I, I battled the States. I'm, I'm, like, I got the quarantine fine. Because I'd went up to the Sunshine Coast to see my brother, and I didn't like apply for the pass. <laughs> I was out on my CB400 and um, got pulled over for speeding, which I really doubt we were speeding. But basically, the cop just didn't like the look of my bike. It was it's chopped down, it's customed out, and he just wanted to fucking handle a load of, load of fines over my brother. My brother got a fine for his indicators not being right. Anyway, got the quarantine fine. So it, it's a long story, but I was driving from Sunny Coast to Toowoomba. And I was just driving through S because I was on the way to see Platzi to, to come and do this shoot. I got pulled over by the police again. And I wasn't doing anything wrong. So I pulled the combi over. And uh, the police officer came. He's like, I said, did I do anything wrong? He's like, uh, no. I was like, well, why did you pull me over? He's like, oh, you had your music too loud. <laughs> I was like, well, you pulled me over for like the music being too loud. Like It's that night. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And I, I think because I'd just been driving those roads trying to stay awake, I had the fucking tunes flat out. And it uh, must have just drawn attention to myself. So anyway, he pulled me over. And my whole quarantine fine thing was on file. And so they've caught me driving from uh, Sunshine Coast to Toowoomba when I'm meant to be quarantining for 14 days or whatever the fuck. I'd already been given the quarantine fine and been ordered to go back to New South Wales by midnight that night. And I just ignored it because I'm like, mate, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm, I'm staying with my brother. I'm like, fuck you. You know what I mean? I've only just got here. Uh, and so it was all on file so I was like stopped for like an hour while they like checked out my whole story and luckily I was telling the truth otherwise they probably would have whisked me off and like quarantined me or something so yeah and like luckily my story checked out because basically I told them the exact same story as I told the first cop 
which he was just pissed off about the fact that I, I just didn't care like what yep. he thought. I, he was like, so what, what are you doing now? I was like, well, I'm going to go to Twimbo, I'm going to ride dirt bikes. And he scoffed. He's like, no, you're not. I was like, and it, this guy was a dickhead, mate. So uh, I started giving him a little bit of attitude because you know, he was totally paying out on my bike. He didn't like my new design. He, like, he was pulling me up about the, the registration plate, gave me two bike de- te- defects, told me I was speeding, and then because he didn't like my attitude, whacked the quarantine fine, which was like $1,300. And I'm like... And then, so yeah, and then he ordered me to go back to New South Wales, like that night before midnight. He followed me back to my brother's house, took pictures of my brother's van, which, you know, I, I was driving. I couldn't believe it. Like, like, my brother couldn't believe it either. So anyway, my story checked out. I told the, the second pair of cops, I was like, look, I'm going to Toowoomba, this and that. And it was on record. He had brought everything down to task force. This whole quarantine thing's like... a. It's, you know, it's a, it's a mad thing. And then, um, luckily, I was t- I just told them the, the truth. And so, because they'd only pulled me over for having my music too loud, they were just bored. You know what I mean? No one drives through-esque from, you know, like, they were just... 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they let me go. And uh, they kind of laughed as well. Like, luckily, this is the first normal conversation I had with a police officer in Australia. Normally, they just are out to sting you, in my experience. Anyway, and this guy, because I was, like, telling the truth, uh, and everything checked out on the previous report. They were, they were just like, well, and I was like, I was, I was probably like put, putting it on a little bit. I was tired, but I'm like, mate, what's going? Like, why am I getting stopped everywhere I go? Like, I'm just trying to go about my my life. You know what I mean? Just super simple. You know what I mean? But just because of all the rules right now. Anyway, so they let me go, and they're like, when you get to Toowoomba, just make sure like he's, he's quarantined for 14 days. I'm like, yes, sir, of course. You know what I mean? But. Anyway, we went and fucking made it happen. Went down and ripped some 500 two-stroke around some sand tracks. So it was a battle through the States, literally. Yep. You know what I mean? I've got a two grand fine that I'm probably not going to pay. Uh, but I don't know. I wonder if they're going to catch me at the airport. I don't think it's a real thing. <laughs> I, I don't think the immigration and the traffic fines are actually connected. So watch this space. I'll let everyone know. I'll either get deported or I'll leave at my own free will. Or get stopped at the, the airport. <laughs> so, like, because home's here quite a lot for you, obviously. Are you are you stuck here at the moment? Uh, kind or, of. Kind of? Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad place to be stuck. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't panic ever about where I need to go, what I need to do. I know I've got a load of bikes back home that I need to customize. I've got... I've got... Uh, i got another CBX 750 that I could probably do better than the red one. Uh, which it would just be a beefier, chunkier version. Uh, I've got a GPZ900R, Kawasaki 89 model, like the Top Gun bike. Mm. It's a really cool old school bike. It's got quite a following. And I've got a celebrity guy sort of... I'm building it for a celebrity guy, but I want to make sure it's right. And it's it's a project, it's an ongoing project, so it's just taking too much time. My creative side's being like pulled everywhere right now the 500 thing just got me mm. so i went for, like it, it brought me back into it and it's got me here so like i said i'm just i just go with what's sort of interesting to me at the time uh but x-axis it, i built i built that up you know what i mean and i i nailed the design and people liked it so i'm confident now that i can do that like when i do get that feeling to go and build another bike i, I go do it but i've got i like to have a lot of things going on at once yep. like i said so i'm not focusing too much on one so it's good to go racing, keeps me fit. It's making opportunities like this, but ultimately it is for to keep well being. 
Mm. I mean, right, riding motocross bikes keeps me fit, strong, and healthy. Um, the design thing keeps me interested. It makes my brain work, you know, a little bit s- slower than 500 speed, you know. Mm. I get to just, like, calm it down, get the lines right. You know what I mean? I just, the design of the bikes. So I've got, like, five <laughs> five bikes back home I need to finish and sell. And then I've got one flat left that I need to like rip and gut out and put new kitchens, bathrooms, all that type of stuff in. But I'm almost there. I've made myself busy on purpose, you mm. know, because like when I finished racing, I did have that feeling of like, oh shit, what am I going to do? I always knew it was going to happen. And I was kind of just having the faith that something was going to happen. You know what I mean? And that's why I went and did my thing with X-Axis because I thought, right, at least I'll learn loads. It'll keep me busy. You know what I mean? There's nothing worse than just sitting around like not knowing what to do with your day. Like I can do it pretty well, mm. but I always feel like I can justify it, you know. But if I did have that sort of like panic of like oh, shit, where am I going to get the next buck? How am I going to like what kind of job done it? Like which I went through. Like I had a lot of a lot of thoughts like shit. Like am I going to have to go coaching? Am I going to have to do this? Do I have to run a team? All this stuff, and I'm just like you know what? Don't think about any of it. Just focus on what you're passionate about. And that's always worked for me. Like when I'm passionate about something, thing like it's a law of attraction type thing. Mm. Like, and I see it with other people. Like I'm always supportive to other people when I see they're passionate with something. So, because my designs were, you know, I was putting my full effort into it, and I was being real, real. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? For the details, I was making sure they were all because it was going to a show. The CBX 750. We'll have to. You'll have to find a picture. But X-Axis, if, if anyone wants to see like what I've been doing since I stopped racing, it's on Instagram, xaxis.co. And uh, there's some custom bikes on there. But keeps me interested. I'm yet to like master welding. I want to get TIG welding good, but I've got a good guy back home. I just, I've, I've, I've got to know a lot of people, professional people, that mm. I can learn off and that can do the job real quick at an affordable price and be able to let me like bring a bike and let me pr- produce it the same way you do your videos, you know, get the right shots. I've got people with all camera equipment and it's fun just to go around their house, you know what I mean? We have a few beers, we get the cameras out and we, we spend hours in there just like, you know, getting the lights in different positions and just making it, getting all the details. Because it's, mm. I mean, you can see the details close up even with the bike, but to get that style across online, it takes a bit of prep. Same way as we went and like ripped that sand track up, you know. You can't just go down there with your iPhone, you know. I nah. put some, I put some videos up that Kobe caught on the on the GoPro just because I was that that excited about it. But then when I saw your edit, I was just like, mate, it brought me back to the Terra Firma days when Fox were doing shit properly. Terra Firma two, you know, and Lusk. That's the best. Oh, it was, mate. It's the it's the golden era, and that's what's just making me go back because there's so many people our age yeah. still in love with that 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 year that mm. era and it's always going to be there oh, yeah. and i'm just in such a good it's position history where i'm young enough to be a vet racer uh f- you know skillful enough to ride these 500s and have the people involved with all the knowledge of suspension setups exhaust pipes engine tuning and just good vibes mm. you know so it just seems like the path is there and i just have to follow it now instead of me panicking and trying to like you know do something and bring this in and yeah just do what i'm passionate about like building flats is not really what i'm passionate about you know so that's why it took me so long to get them finished <laughs> my dad's mad at me he's like just fucking get it done because that's like i got one flat to finish and then that's rent coming in yeah and that just allows me to 
feed myself, get get A to B, and then when the bikes all sell, you know what I mean? It's just it just, keeps it rolling. Just working with that right now, and whatever comes from racing just comes from it. It keeps me fit and healthy and well. See, they've just remastered Terraforma. They've just put put the time in, so it's now back uh, online and yeah, it's great. See, I did see them all. Yeah, it's good to see. It went. It went. Terraformer three didn't do it for me. One and two. It's, yeah. It's, it's. I know. And then what happened to it though? It went freestyle a little bit. Mm. It was more about the full racing. Like freestyle was happening at then at that oh, point. Oh yeah. Though. Yeah. You had to let it go. You had to let it happen. But yeah, one and two though was Wasn't at it its peak. Good yeah, time. Because I'm same age. I'm 36. So yeah. 84 baby. Seeing those things come through at that time was influential and sort of like late late childhood i guess for them Mate, it kicked off everyone mm. think about what rocks and went and like redid yeah. it like everyone i mean they did a good job on that they were just the best yeah. they had the vision for it pete fox had the vision yep. and it's the same with this 500 thing people supported him because his designs were right he's passionate about it he was yep. picking the right people you know I mean, he had all the coolest riders looking the best i mean how good was the attitude back in the nineties when you listen to interviews from bradshaw bale mm. Stanton, like all these guys, they're getting interviewed with their shirts off, you know what I mean? Out the back of like box yeah, truck trailers, trucks. you know yeah. what I mean? It's just so much. It makes me smile, you know what I mean? I just, you know what was really upsetting for me is when um, I saw Villapoto come over and do the Grand Prix season. Mm. He was just getting badgered by the journalists. They were asking him the same question in 25 different ways. I mean, honestly, like he. He could have done so much better if he wasn't being hounded by the press that much. It was, it was a bit, uh, yeah, that was a bit sad to see. But I don't know how we got on that. Yeah, me either. Do you still love the sport? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like, do you watch actively watch? No, I don't actually. That's don't? the thing. No, 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 not love it. Not that, racing. Not yeah. love it that much. Um, look, I'll see the highlights. I never watch MX2 for some reason. Don't get into it. Not interested. I love Roxon. Love mm. his vibe. Love his story. Everything he's done. Like saw saw him around the Grand Prix and stuff. So I'm still, yeah, I'll still watch. I'll still watch it. But I'm not like I don't wait for it to come on every weekend. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll fall asleep watching motocross Grand Prix. You know mm. what I mean? I, like if it's a Sunday and I'm at home and I'm just whatever and it's it's on tape, I end up falling asleep. Yep. So I don't. Know, I love riding, mate. Yep. I love uh, I love being a part of it and I like being on track I don't think I could be a brand manager I don't think I could sort of slot in into the industry in any other way other than do something my own way which is kind of what's happening right now like x-axis lab that's another thing that's a kind of like uh, that kind of happened from x-axis x-axis became a brand but then people want to see like in behind the workshop and in behind like my design and sort of my thought on the bike so i started x-axis lab which is primarily the 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 workshop but that's sort of a mix of all the x-axis builds and the 500 builds mm. it's pretty much any time i'm getting hands-on with people in the workshop i get my phone out and i sort of like you know i just i show everyone like what's happening and that's pretty cool like that's it's nice to have a it's nice to have a bit of a scrapbook of like where you've been and what you've done because when you do come to sell the bikes, like all my bikes are for sale. It's not like I'm just doing mm. them up and storing them and you know keeping them all for myself. Like I'm always aiming to build another one. So as soon as I can get the money back from one, I'll go in balls deep and, and build another one and I'll pick a different model and I'll 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 be um 
innovative with the design again, you know, because I like to make them look different. So anyway, i got three things going on right now, and it's it's keeping me busy, you mm. know what I mean? And it's, it's nice because I'm not, like, I'm not any official business. I don't have this or that. Like, I'm lucky enough to have all professional people um, involved that it just gives me the freedom. Like, I'm as free as a man can be right now. Yeah. And it's a it's a nice feeling, you know. What I mean, I I, I don't, I've always been like that. I've always been traveling. I guess people. I, I guess I could call myself a traveler. Yeah. You know, I've been away since I was like 15 years old, living in race trucks with the teams, traveling Europe, everywhere. I've been on the move, all the time. And it took me to grow up a little bit and mature to like learn not to chase the carrot too much and just let it come. It's like it's a balance between letting things happen and making things happen. I've seen that quote somewhere. But it's so true, you know what I mean? Like, you can't force it. You can't force it. And I'm just so I'm just so thankful to have the good people around me in Australia that are supporting the whole 500 thing. Kobe Rink, Warren Platts, and anyone else who wants to get involved. Yeah, Ferg from Byron Bay Crane. Ferg, so yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's the first sponsor in the Condale trip. You know, that's going to yeah. pay for the beers and the barbecues. So. Go fund Kobe. I think this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to get Kobe to start a GoFundMe page. And anyone who wants to see the 500 rip round and come and have a beer or just have any kind of fun VIP that we can think of, I'll think of something. Yep. If, if if Carol can provide a rig so we've got a big space, then hey, mate, we could have a bit of a, a barn dance there. That'd be yeah. awesome. Uh, it's, it's just an idea. See what, what happens mean? with it. It's just an idea. But like I said, even if we rock up in a combi and let that thing rip around Conondale, I'm up for it. It, it gives me a goal yep. to work towards. And I do need to get fitter you know what i mean because I'm, I'm taking everything like i said balance between making it happen and letting it happen i've let it happen to this point if we are going to go to conondale i'm yep. going to have to put some work in and, and, and organize it but the nice thing about it is that people are coming to the the party i'm not really having a i haven't yet apart from like mentioning it here went and actively sought yep. sponsors or any kind of support it's just like i'm happy doing it off grid it excites me to do it off grid more than it would going to the, the, the race with the big setup, you know? I mm. think it would be fun to do that. It would definitely, like, ruffle a few feathers, especially with the <laughs> factory rigs and stuff, especially when that thing gets out the start, because it does get out the start. It beat beat Toddy to the first corner at Mountain Man, and that was my first start back in eight months. Wow. Yeah. We ain't even, we, we tuned it in, but not nowhere near as tuned in as we got it down the sand track. So, I don't know. I could I could pull a start on that, and then, you know... Even getting it up front, even getting that picture, that's all we need. Yep. Seeing Billy Mack on the 500 against like factory KTM, factory Husqvarna, factory Yamaha boys, just seeing that old two-stroke at the front, that's you know, that's a vision that I reckon I could make happen. That'd be fun. And as long as I finish, yeah, it's as just long being, as I finish, that's all that, all that matters. And I, you know, people who know me know that I put my full effort in. Like I might get tired or I might blow out, but mate. You'll see the best of me for as long as I, as long as I can. As long as it's there. As long as I can keep it. But like I said, 36. Yeah. Mate, I'm fit. I'm fit and healthy. I feel stronger than I've ever been. Really, like more mature, like more just built. You know, yep. what I mean, I'm not a kid anymore. I'm a man. That's why I can ride these 500s. You know, you know, yep. I really, you know, I can hold on to that thing now. And you know, no niggling injuries, no battle. I'm not battle worn like some of these boys. Like I don't, never have to take a painkiller live in Byron, I stretch out, I cycle, I, I lead a healthy lifestyle. I need to be a bit more active. You know, like I'm working on the bikes and my little van quite a lot. Like I've had this little combi now for a few years and I've just slowly, slowly been restoring it to the point where I'm like really happy with it. Yeah. Big old sound system in there, even the police know. 
So um, I've just been tinkering away mm. you know, at my own pace. And um, if this Conondale thing does happen, then it would just give me a reason, like I said, to maybe go down to JMR once, hang out with him for a couple of weeks, be like Apollo and Rocky. Yeah. Running down the beach, what you know a comeback. I mean? old champs, you know, like yeah, <laughs> totally. And he would get fired up in twenty four hours, mate. He just needs me there to bloody kick him up the ass a little bit. Um, I reckon he should just break out Platzi's KX five hundred and just have a laugh with me. But uh, we'll see how we get on with these four fifties when I go down. I know Matt Moss is down in his area as well. He reached out to me the other day, so it's cool that I'm like uh, buddying back up with all the old champions over here because they yeah. were legit boys, mate. Jay and Matt. They can ride bikes. You know, we've all got one thing in common. We're all champions. I'm not an Aussie champion, but you know what I mean? We all know we're fast enough. Yep. There's a respect there. And uh, we're all old enough now that we don't care if one of us, each other beats each other. Yep. Where before we were like really sort of like thrown into it by everyone around us. Everyone wanted to beat everyone. Like it wasn't really me and Jay who wanted to beat each other. It was like my team wanted to beat his team and vice versa. You know, like we just want to go and ride our bikes and do the best we can. That's our buzz. So... It would be fun having us all back on the line. I know Mossy is a charger. I think he wants to come back and prove a lot of people wrong, and he does have the skill to do it. Um, Not just fun. I think it'd be good for the sport. It would be, be really good to have yeah, something know, fresh like that coming through. I so. don't know who like like. Sometimes it feels like the sport's a little bit too controlled over here. People at the top have too much say. People get fucking what's the word? Snitched on this and that. I don't, like I don't know the Mossy's things full situation, but it didn't sound like they were doing a bad thing. And I, you know, I don't even really know how much that stuff helps you anyway. But four years was too much. Like, and in America as well, there's a lot of people getting stung. Like, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't really understand it. I've never. I never tried that shit. Yeah, I've never been. I've never been into that side of it. I've had a recre- recreational fun, but I've <laughs> never been on the peds. You know, ever. I never tried it. Um. So. I don't know, like, it. I can believe it was for injuries for sure. Like, I've listening to Jake, Jake's podcast, you know what I mean? I really, that hit home with me a little bit. Like, it's a rough industry, man. And like, the, the money's not here right now, or it wasn't when I left. I honestly haven't really looked into it, but I know the top boys are doing all right for themselves. Toddy and Dino and Gibbs, and I know Dak has, like, uh, good support from the factories, but yeah. other than that, I've heard it's just a little bit on its knees, and I know it was when I left, like I, there was nothing for me to stay you know what i mean I, like i could have had another five years and i would have done it if i was enjoying myself but you know like we just talked about it's not worth it you know what i mean i didn't want to didn't want to end up fucking all pissed off like that mm. so it does need it does need does need an injection back in and i think it's just an attitude that's going to bring it back because i remember when i first came over i came over with a pretty good attitude you know what i mean i was i was having a real good time did, have you, since you've been here, gone to any of the Ozex for the Supercross? Nah, they do all right the way. They yeah. do a good show down there. It's a good I show. I've watched it yeah. online, and they get the, the names there, yeah. and everyone's involved, and that shit's good. It's a good attitude. I, I feel that's the, like, as a direction. It's a good it's a good direction for the sport. But um, next year, for the outdoors, it's going to be... I don't know what's happening, because... Yeah, obviously, I heard that, too. Yeah, so I, I don't know what the... I think they're looking for people to... Take over the take championship. It, yeah. That's Billy McKenzie, do you think that could be a thing for you to take over the champ? You know, it's kind of weird. Like, me and Jay talk about ideas. I keep in touch with Marmont way more than anyone else over really? here. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like, we yeah. just have a, a, a Facebook uh, FaceTime sometimes, him and his yeah. old man. And we just talk shit. Because, 
you know, we just got stuff in common. You know yep. I mean, we've kind of cut from the same cloth a little bit, and uh, yeah, we just got a lot in common. So he was always thinking of ideas, and I was like, you should run an event, mate, like just a big one-off event, because mm. I know like Farley Castle does so good back home, and I'm like, just just sign up to be a vet rider, mate. Like, don't don't keep hanging on to like we were fast one time. Mm. We probably could go back and do all right, but it's a hell of a lot of fucking work. We're not getting paid to do it. Yep. so just go and enjoy yourself mate you know what I mean be a vets racer come and race the vets motocross those nations I'll get you a bike come over and hang out like so I'm excited to go down to Jay's I reckon we'll think of something yeah of course. mate he's a four time Australian fucking champion he needs to get back in the game he could take over the whole thing if he wanted he is the new Dak if he just you know can be bothered I get it like he's the same as me he just needed a break from the sport hanging on to shit so I don't know we'll make, we'll make plans me personally nah mate I'm just fucking I don't I don't want the paperwork. Nah. I don't want the paperwork. That's Kobe's job. Kobe. <laughs> Kobe Rink. There you go. He could be the new fucking new MX Nationals. Yeah, big time. He'd do a better job. <laughs> Kevin. So, oh, you know what? Yeah. Nah. Kevin done tough, right. tough job. It would be, mate. And it's so far away as well. Like, there's so many. So many people to please. You know, yeah. You go, like, no, it's such a big area and you've not got that many people. It's a tough sport to make to make work you know the state championships are pretty good for that but you know going from queensland to bloody melbourne and especially the tracks like i don't like horsham there's somewhere else that there's loads of places i don't like so what's this year they've got newry horsham conondale coolum gympie i think that's i think that's what we got this year so we've got a got a bit of a mixture in there so yeah. so yeah conondale august yeah, you know what? Because I need to get back and and finish it. You know, because I'm already like like I said, Craig, the exhaust guy, he's getting mad at me because we've got two bikes in his garage. <laughs> I've been over there for like months now. You know, I was meant to be back. I was going to go back end of April. I was going to have my birthday here and then go back April. That's what I normally do before it gets cold. And then when summer happens in the UK. Yep. Uh, but everything's shut down, so I had no reason to. Yep. I could have like panicked and went back, but I'm just like, I got shit to do. I got my little 400 to finish, my combi to do. The sun's still out. And what was your first your first few days of quarantine was just chilling out? Was it Border Rangers? Yeah, I did go to the Border Rangers. Yeah, you remember. Yeah, well, um, it got weird in Byron because I was one of those guys. I was Team Freedom, not yep. Team Lockdown. I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure what to make about the whole thing. But um, it got weird in Byron. Like, everywhere shut down. And I was just sensing like a weird energy from like the locals. Like people got scared. People were panicking. People were getting real cookie. And I'm still cutting around like in my van and sort of getting a Betty's burger and like doing this and that. And I just noticed slowly but surely like it was empty. It was a ghost town. And there was still a few takeaways open and they were all cool. You know what I mean? So I was like a regular. Yep. And it was, it was actually nice for a while because it was like I had the whole of Byron Bay to myself. I was like, I was that guy. But I was like in my van, so I'm self-isolating. I'm staying home. I'm in my van, you know, yeah. cutting around. Um, but anyway, it, it, it just it got weird, and I was just like, you know what? Everything was shutting down. Everyone was being super hy- hygienic and this and that. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go bush. I'm gonna go bush for a couple of days with a girl I've been seeing. So we did. We went to Border Ranges. I don't. You almost don't even want to tell anyone about it. It's so special. Yeah. I was out there by myself, and yeah, like for five days, I was just I had I had the whole mountain to myself. Everyone was in lockdown. Everyone was home. And I was isolating with, with this girl just on top of the mountain, like looking back over Mount Warren with like the best views I've ever seen, doing doing these hikes and these walks through like the natural bush, waterfalls and creeks. And I was it was just pure Australia. 
was cooking like avocado eggs and toast like i had the healthiest breakfast like big long hikes as well in the morning so it was just a full full fitness i took full advantage of quarantine yeah. i loved it you know what i mean i just want to go back and live on that mountain you know i've done mountain man australia i've been posting on instagram the mountains have been calling me they have been calling me since i've been back in australia and uh, so like i said i just go with the flow like i go with what what i'm feeling every day um but that was a beautiful experience i got some really nice pictures and it was just so untouched like it wasn't like springbrook or or some of the the other national parks which are close like i went right out west you know to Mm. those ridges and there was no one there honestly and it was blissful and i spent my birthday there it was my birthday so i just like i'm 36 you know i don't go celebrate my birthday anymore you know you know i think i went to bed at 6 p.m on my birthday and woke up at like five or something you know when the sunrise just really loving it you know cooking all my own food i had my little gas stove and the simple life mate so simple i got nothing to think about nothing awesome it was really awesome mate anything else you want to touch on we've done it all haven't we? we've fucking covered everything for like to spend a few days with billy mac is refreshing thanks like mate. you are um yeah you've got this time's irrelevant things are chilled it's it's really refreshing to see mate yeah, so I put myself in a good position to be able to enjoy yeah. The freedoms of life, it feels right now, especially right now, more than anything. Yeah. Freedom's a real thing. Mm. I don't want to be spouting, getting political or like deeper, but I'm like, I've noticed it. You know what I mean? Everyone's... Tense. It has been tense, but yeah. it's going to be over soon. You know what I mean? I don't know what I don't know what the rest of the year is going to bring us, but what did we have at the start of the year? It was almost World War One in January. Mm. Bushfires in February. There was something else in March. But man, it's been never ended. Mm. I'm not surprised anymore. I'm not surprised anything. I almost don't believe anything. I'm like, I want to see it for myself. You know what I mean? Like, but it's just the way the world goes. Eh? Where where can we find you online, mate? Instagram is where I hang out all That's the your time. Place? Yeah, yeah. Just because uh, it's got that sort of more artistic platform. Yep. Facebook, I'm never really on. I just link everything from Instagram to Facebook, just so that it's still working. I'm not on Twitter. I don't. I don't. Instagram is where I do all my shit. I like the app. I spend hour too many hours on it. You know what yeah. I mean? But uh, I get to show everything that I'm up to. Yeah, X Axis Lab is uh, the Instagram handle. X Axis X A X I S. It looks weird, but see when you when you see the name, it kind of jumps out at you. That was, you know how I, I thought about the name on X Axis was um, I came back to Byron and told my friend about you know I was planning on doing like a day do sex machine type thing. We need a name. He said, well, you know. Blah, blah, blah. So we looked at the design of the bike and it was all quite like horizontal parallel lines to the ground. It was just had that racy look. So we just like typed it in Google and it came up like the X axis, the X and Y axis on yeah. a graph. I was like, oh, this is perfect. The way it jumped out, like the X's and the A's. And it kind of reminded me of uh, the way Paul Everest used to do his designs with unit and stuff. It was all quite triangular and, you know, like, yeah. Right. yeah and I, I sort of took inspiration from his, his stuff as a graphic designer. And when I saw XA, you know, like even when it sort of looks on the bike, it just it jumps out. Because you look out. in your subframe section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at the box, you know, that's it, everything. Mate. Exactly. Wow. So everything's like that. So that's where it came from. That's where it came from. It's just a bit nice. of a geek, geek out. We had it's a good. geek out. Yeah, totally. I love that shit. So so X-Axis is the brand for the custom bikes. Um, I'm, I'll always have another bike like ready to come. Uh, it, it might just take longer than expected because I'm in no rush. You know, I, I, like to, I like the creative process. I like it all to work in at the right time. The balance between making it happen, letting it happen. That's just always going to be X-Axis. X-Axis Lab is like 
under the microscope, you know, everything that we're doing, the high-end details, the vapor blasting, the powder coating, the seracoating, the, you know, the pistons, the products we're using, the people involved, the workshops I visit. It's, it's me on the move. Mm. But luckily, I've just met such a good bunch of blokes that all share the same thing. So X-Axis is where you can contact me or like if I'm not really offering anything to the public yet, but, you know, if, if people need help with their getting an engine built or something i can definitely sort of pass it on to the right people and it's more a uk thing hopefully i can set up x-axis a little bit more permanent here uh, every time i come back um got a good relationship with uh it's almost like a father figure over here brad mccormack he's he runs sings tires and mechanical down in byron bay he's tom mccormack's father uh, tom mccormack used to be a, a shit hot little yeah um bush racer he won a championship but he broke his back as well so mm. Anyway, I've, I'm a close friend of the family, and he really looks after me. I got a little container down his yard, which is where I do all my my stuff, just tinker away. But um, I'll get that set up pretty permanently in the next coming years. Hopefully, I want to, you know, just buy some equipment, do some spray paint, and actually start doing all the details myself. Now that I've learned the majority of it, and then after that, just Billy Mac two one one. I've got three Instagram pages. Billy Mac two one one's mostly all the five hundred shots, everything that we've doing. So, so go and check that out. I'm sure. When we drop our video and all these things, um, I'll be engaging with everyone on Instagram. Like I, I'll sit and I'll reply to everyone. I'll have, I have a good time on Instagram, and it, it, I love looking through the timeline as well because you know it's 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 your best life, isn't it? <laughs> you're, uh, you're you're showing everyone the shit's not there. your best <laughs> life. But uh, I I like I like doing that. I like getting the shot. I like yeah. doing the edit. I like picking the music, and I like to. You know, support everyone who supports me. It's just a working little, working little snowball right now. So I appreciate the support. Mate, no, it's been awesome, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for obviously your time. And it's been a few uh, days. Times that thing, so you know what I mean, like it's any awesome, time. Mate. If this this could just be part one, because honestly, I got so many stories. I will see what Dak says. We'll see what Dak says when I see him at Conondale. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I'm it. filming for them at Conondale. Oh really? Get him to bloody sit so. down. Let's have it out. Yeah, me so and Dak. He hasn't talked to me since Perth, 2014. He needs to stop being a little bitch. <laughs> Harsh last words. But um, thanks everyone for listening. Um, yeah, show will be dropped on uh, Friday. So yeah, sick. Thanks very much. Take mate. care. It's thanks, heaps, mate. Cheers. Ah, nice.